Welcome to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from September 9th, 1996. From the high desert in the great American Southwest, I bid you all good evening, good morning, and welcome to the best live overnight talk show in America, also the largest from the Hawaiian and Tahitian Island chains. Racing eastward to the Caribbean and the U.S. Virgin Islands, where I might add it's raining like crazy right now. We'll get to that. South into South America, north to the pole, definitely worldwide on the Internet. I bid you all good morning. I'm Art Bell, and we have a great deal to do this morning. It's going to be open lines. And uh, I'll go breezing through the news for you here in a moment. I got a really nice letter from Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Dear Art, I'm a big fan of your show. My friend Kirk of Kirkland, Washington, hmm, um, faithfully sends all your tapes and programs to me. My name is Fun Yen. I'm a Chinese born in Malaysia and have been teaching mathematics to school students for 25 years. I have visited your beautiful country many times. I was there in May of June this year, May and June, so I Missed the talk about the sea monster found off the island near here. I'm trying to get a copy of a newspaper here featuring the story to send it to you. Please continue with your fantastic show. I admire, I admire, get this, the American way of life and how you pursue the truth and how you can be so vocal in every belief. Because here in Malaysia, a person can be put in prison without trial for uttering a tenth of what you guys say on your show, especially part about the government. What a great country you have. And I have an autographed picture, which we're going to send. It would mean so much to me, and so forth and so on. Uh, that's Fu, Fu Chan of Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And I thought that was kind of a nice letter. Uh, now, there are two uh, newspaper articles, one in the Gilmore Mirror, and I, I want to thank uh, Russ Green for that, a wonderful article. He was along on the trip, and Russ wrote a really, really nice article about us and sent it to us. And there is an article. <laughs> Look, let me, uh, let me begin by saying that you really need to go up to my webpage tonight. You really do. I call it a tabloid. And, uh, and somebody, um, uh, somebody anonymously uh, uploaded this article to my webpage from... Uh, from from Canada, I suppose, and this newspaper called the Times, up in uh, I think it's where is it? Is it in Vancouver? Yeah, Vancouver Island Newspaper Group um, ran this article, and I'll let you decide. Now, somebody sent me a, a, a fax and said this is not a tabloid newspaper. Uh, however, I will read the, the headlines to you here in a moment. You can read the entire article up on the web page. But I'll read the, the headlines to you. And, well, no, I'll do it now. And you decide, you tell me if this is tabloid style or not. At the top it says, Times Exclusive, NASA Hiding Aliens. Then the uh, subheadlines are, Talk Show Host Hiding Saucer Parts, Exclusive Learn the Truth Behind Art Parts, Feds Ready to Swoop. Get in, Feds Ready to Swoop. Now, let me tell you, nobody talked to me about this article. Nobody consulted me. Nobody bothered to ask me or even bothered to try to contact me about this article. And I'll read you some highlights from it. 
You can read the entire article up on the web page. Um, uh, just keep scrolling down and you'll read the whole thing. But it is incredible, the things they have said in here. So as far as I can see, they made it up as they went. They may have listened to the program or something, but uh, with regard to the things they've said in here, my God, feds ready to swoop. I don't know where they get this stuff. Uh, it's tabloid style. It may not be a tabloid newspaper, but it sure is tabloid style. You take a look. You let me know what you think. There are new photographs on the web page. There are now electron scanning microscope photographs of the um, alleged Roswell pieces uh, at the Roswell Museum. And that's the silver, copper, silver layered material, 16 layers. And uh, we've got photographs up there for you. I scanned those and got them up, uh, I think, Sunday. And uh, Keith has been very, very busy getting all of this up there. Uh, but he thought you would enjoy this this article from Canada. Not not a tabloid, huh? Okay. So there's all of that and a lot more. I can't even think of it all right now. It will occur to me as I go up on the web page. Uh, would definitely suggest you you go up and take a look. It's www.artbell.com. Easy to remember, easy to get to, www.artbell.com. There is a wealth of new stuff up there for you. Uh, President Clinton wants a billion dollars for more airline safety, security, wants cameras, scanners. As a matter of fact, they've got a scanner which can look right through your clothes and see you butt naked. <laughs> and, you know... It occurs to me that we might be asking for all of this a little early. I mean, what if a missile brought down Flight 800? How is the billion dollars going to help that? Maybe we ought to spend some of it on electronic uh, counter-warfare measures for 747s and other commercial aircraft. So, in other words, why not wait for an answer on what happened to Flight 800 before going bonkers on spending money? And uh, a little follow-up, this is all over the place. I don't know what it means, but weeks after the uh, TWA-800 explosion and hundreds of miles away, get this, an American Airlines pilot claims he saw a missile pass his jetliner in flight. Uh, while the two cases were being investigated separately, report fits a scenario that is one of the theories under consideration in the TWA case, that a missile brought down the jumbo jet, killing all 230 aboard. So here's a pilot uh, who saw a missile go whizzing by his commercial aircraft. Now, that would get your attention, wouldn't it? If you were sitting there uh, trucking along, probably on autopilot, and <laughs> there goes a missile. Too close for comfort. Iraq. Um, two more towns in northern Iraq have fallen with the help of uh, Saddam Hussein and company. The story coming out now about what occurred in Iraq is rather interesting. That the U.S. had a facility in northern Iraq that was essentially CIA based there in northern Iraq. And Saddam knew it, and that's what made him go north. 
the CIA guys, uh, once Saddam headed north, had to abandon their facility, probably shred what they could, left a lot behind, equipment and such, and get the hell out of Dodge. So we, had, we extended the um, no-fly zone in the south and hit him with missiles in the south in response to that. Now, that is the story going around. I don't know. I still don't fully understand what's going on here. In other words, if we're going to all this trouble and expense to chill Saddam, and we're trying to train other people to do it, why don't we just do it up front and kill the SOB? You know, that's my attitude about this, and I know it seems to many brutal, but, I mean, here we are spending all of this money um, to have covert operations to train people in northern Iraq to kill Saddam or to depose him, and I don't know how you do that without killing him. So check me if I'm wrong here, folks, but, you know, if we want to kill Saddam, why don't we just do it? I've got uh, a whole bunch of other stuff here, but I don't uh, have... I'll I'll try to get to it uh, slowly. There's some really, really good stuff in here, and uh, but I'm going to have to uh, ration my time, or I'm going to run out of it. Hurricane Fran has left her mark. As you know, last week we did a program and talked to all the people out there in the hurricane-affected area. I'm afraid we're going to have to do it again soon. The legacy of Fran is the Potomac overflowing its banks, double flood stage, incredible, West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland, the nation's capital, all flooding, 22 dead, the death toll climbing, seven still not found, a billion dollars in damage in North Carolina alone, and now enter soon Hortense. Hurricane it is a hurricane. Now, they said, well, they didn't think it would become a hurricane. Wrong. It has. They say it's too early to determine whether it's going to pose a threat to the mainland. However, it certainly is posing a threat to um, Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. They say Hortense, even at this early stage, may dump one foot of rain. I say again, one foot of rain. So I hope all of you are okay in the islands this morning. I think it likely that it will not hit uh, St. Thomas, even St. Croix, hopefully too hard. And I'd love to um, talk to you. So if you are in uh, St. Thomas or St. Croix, uh, you're getting an early preview of Hortense. You might call me at 1-800-825-5033. Let me hold the line open a little while for our friends in the U.S. Virgin Islands, see what's going on with Hortense. Great. Another hurricane. Headed west, northwest, trolling along, gathering strength, and no doubt the people in North Carolina. Well, who, it's a little early to call it, but um, the people um, from Florida to, um, well, all the way along the eastern seaboard may have something else to worry about. It's a factory of hurricanes in the Atlantic. The drug use business continues to be uh, in the news. 
And a new study has found that parental attitudes are part of the trouble. Uh, parents who smoke pot probably will end up with kids who smoke pot. About 65% of those who tried pot when they were young think their kids will. Probably they will. A former Clinton political strategist, Dick Morris, says he didn't tell a prostitute that First Lady Hillary Clinton ordered controversial uh, review of FBI files. So he is denying that. And while we're on the subject of politics, is the election all over? The polls show men on dole about evenly split. Women, on the other hand, favor uh, Bill Clinton by incredible amounts. I mean, just incredible amounts. Now, you can say it's the abortion issue, and maybe to some degree it is, but it's certainly a lot more than that. Come on, this gender gap is a lot deeper than abortion. Because uh, women voted in droves for Ronald Reagan, and he was anti-abortion. So this gender gap is a lot more than abortion. And I will ask you about the gender gap. Why? But uh, give me some answer, if you would, other than the abortion topic, because I think it's more than that. Oh, by the way, um, nobody has yet asked, so I will. What do you think this election year's October surprise is going to be? I like to, in September every year prior to an election, ask what you think this year's October surprise is going to be. So what do you think it's going to be? By the way, I've got a, a kind of a half of an idea here, and I want to know if you think it's a good one. I got a call earlier in the day from Harry Brown's headquarters, and while they are going to try every possible venue and avenue toward getting into the presidential debates, in the end, they think they probably will not make it. And so they said, hey, Art, on the night of the debates, what would you think of having Harry Brown on? And I've been thinking about that since I got the message earlier in the day. And I think that's a pretty good idea. In other words, generally make a list of those items debated by Bob Dole and Bill Clinton and submit them on the air here to Harry Brown. It would be very instructional to hear what he would have to say. So we could then imagine what it might be like had Harry Brown been allowed into the uh, debates. And so I wonder if you guys think that would be a good idea. Going back for a second to this article, you've really got to go up there and take a look at it. Times, huh? Talk show host hiding saucer parts. Feds ready to swoop. Exclusive learn the truth behind Earth parts. Let's see. CFUN. CFUN broadcasts a popular program of American origin called Dreamworld. Well, of course, they didn't even get that quite right. It's Dreamland, Nick. Dreamland. And let's see, it says, um, Bell started out in relative calm. However, the opportunities surrounding this topic, meaning the parts, have proved just too much, and Bell has gone off the deep end. Uh, let's see. 
All this is fortunate for Bell, because he's at least partly in the UFO business, meaning getting these parts. But there's a problem, because the feds have to keep their conspiracy going. They'd undoubtedly swoop down, seize the goods, and then deny their existence. Therefore, Bell has dispersed his evidence to a number of secret locations. But aren't they available to accredited scientists? Obviously, you just don't understand the length of the government's reach. <laughs> then they go on to say, lately Bell has been getting a little testy about the whereabouts of what have come to be called ours parts, which means losing it on the air and yelling at skeptics to phone somebody else's show. His concern isn't surprising, because given the fortune he could extract from them, yeah, right, uh, he, he either doesn't like money or doesn't have them. Well, the pictures are up there for all to see, and many, many people have seen them and handled the parts, so that's silly. And as far as making a fortune, so far all they have done is cost me a fortune. <laughs> so I don't know where they get this stuff. I have no idea. Uh, but to me, it is tabloid style. If it is not a tabloid, it certainly is tabloid style. Take a look at it. It's on the uh, web page, and you tell me. All right. Art, I thought you would enjoy this. In a recent issue of Meat and Poultry magazine, editors quoted from Feathers, the publication of the California Poultry Industry Federation, telling, telling the uh, following story. It seems the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration has a unique device. It's for testing the strength of windshields on airplanes. The device is basically a gun that launches a dead chicken at the plane's windshield at approximately the speed the plane flies. The theory is if the windshield doesn't crack from the carcass impact, it'll survive a real collision with a bird during flight. Well, it seems the British were very interested in this, wanted to test it on a windshield on a brand-new speedy locomotive they're developing there. They borrowed the FAA's chicken launcher, loaded the chicken, and fired. Well, the ballistic chicken shattered the windshield, went through the engineer's chair, broke an instrument panel, then embedded itself in the back wall of the engine cab. The British were stunned, asked the FAA to recheck the test to see if everything was done correctly. The FAA reviewed the test thoroughly and had one recommendation. Next time, use a thawed chicken. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from September 9th, 1996.
listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from September 9th, 1996. From Mike in San Jose. Art, first it was La Chupacabra, the goat sucker, then Dick Morris, the toe sucker, toe cabra. Now it is the groundhog sucker, ground cabra. On page one of the San Jose Mercury for the 9th of September, there is an article on how a Denver, Colorado company called Dog Gone uses a truck-mounted vacuum cleaner to suck prairie dogs out of their holes at 300 miles per hour. Poor little guys never know what hit them. Perhaps these folks might take care of your rabbits and ground squirrels. Sincerely, Mike, San Jose. Can you imagine that? Being down in the ground, contentedly trucking along in your hard, uh, no doubt, a very hard-worked hole, and all of a sudden, 300 miles an hour, and you're gone. <laughs> ah, what's next? East of the Rockies, you are upon the air. Good morning. Good morning. Well, hello there. Hi, how are you? I'm calling from St. Thomas. Oh, in the Virgin Islands? Yes, lots and lots of rain. And yeah. It's very, very windy. And, um, you know, I don't know who's measuring, but I can tell you it's buckets of water. It's I would like water. to know who's responsible for all these damn hurricanes. Oh, I don't know. Some crazy men and women well, coming uh, down this way. Hortense, for somebody. one. Yeah, it's Hortense's <laughs> fault. I don't well, know. Any, anyway, right now... Um, you know, St. Thomas really has not recovered from Maryland. Yes, I know. Because so many people have tarps on their roofs. So um, everybody has buckets. And some people are sweeping out water. Some <sighs> people are just... You know, it's, it's really horrible whenever it rains like this. Well, uh, <laughs> is, it, is the main body of the hurricane now past you and headed toward Puerto Rico? Um, I don't know, because I'm only listening to you right now. Only to me. Well, yes, and, um... Last I saw, I, I, last I saw, it was over you. It was over, it looked like, um, um, it looked like St. Croix might be getting a bigger beating than you are. Yes, they, they did say that St. Croix it was going to pass to the south of St. Croix, but it seems as though it's, um... I, I, I wouldn't say it's a hurricane, but the winds are high, and um, we're having lots of rain. Well, lots lots at of 80 rain. miles an hour, it is, of course, officially a hurricane, <laughs> though it's not right over you. So I, I feel so sorry for you folks. I mean, it's oh, one and, after and another. And, you know, SBA has not been helping us much here. Um, we're at the towers, the infamous towers that were really destroyed. Mm. And um, we haven't gotten the, lo the money yet, so we can't fix the roofs. And um, it's it just continuous. So you gotta, you gotta rains. be, you gotta be there with a bucket. No, not as buckets. Um, everybody's sweeping out water. Mm. Some people are just like I am in one room, and I'm just letting the rest of it get wet. And tomorrow I'll just sweep it out. Oh no! No, it's it's it's, um, it's just rain. I, but listen, the rain is better than the hurricane. That's right. All right. Well, listen, thank, by the way, the last I heard, the hurricane was kind of stalled, which is really bad news because, I mean, it's almost just sitting there right now. Yeah, it's just sitting here giving us a lot of rain, but I don't believe it. This, this does not seem to be hurricane winds. 
it's nothing like Marilyn or Bertha. Right. It's just it's just lots and lots. Lots of, of water. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very very much okay. for the report. Bye-bye. Take care. And uh, now I will open the east of the Rockies for everybody. I just wanted to get a report. Lots of rain. Those poor people. Well, it's south of them, and uh, sort of beating them to death with the uh, the circulation, just bringing rain, rain bands over them and sitting there. Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen. Hopefully it will not come to the mainland. But I have this awful feeling that it will. It'll build. It'll intensify. It will take aim. And it will hit the U.S. mainland. Probably. Total bummer. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yes, sir. Uh, am I talking to you? Um, well, if not, then I'm not sure who you, who, who you are talking to. <laughs> There's a time lapse, huh? Um, only if you're listening to your radio, and, the, and when you get on the air, you're not supposed to. Right, I turned it off. Yes. What I wanted to mention, uh, you uh, just read the, uh, I guess it was a fax. I just came in on the, on the program, so I, I haven't heard too much. Um, I wanted to mention that I enjoy immensely your program. I listen to it uh just constantly. I'm, well, thank you. I'm on, I'm up in the, about uh, most of the time that you're on. But in any event, you uh, about the Gophers. Yeah. Uh, I, I you cut that short. I think you better mention that uh, they're swooped up that tube at 300 miles an hour. But the inventor has a, a foam cushion to. Uh, uh, you mean they live? You mean they? You mean they live? Oh yeah. They, the the purpose of the uh, doggone thing is uh, to transfer from uh, areas, to, uh, transfer um, uh, gophers from areas where they're uh, not wanted. Well, what do, what do they do for gopher heart attacks? I mean, <laughs> if you got sucked out of a hole at 300 miles an hour, foam or no foam, uh, you're going to have a heart attack. Well. Uh, the article I read, um, and I believe it was probably the same one that uh, you know your person uh, sent in, um, went on to say that uh, the inventor of this uh, this uh, scooper has is, has been under quite a bit of uh, fire from the uh, uh, animal rights uh, group. Figures. And, Actually, I'd like to interview him. Well, it's I think it's quite a thing because they are. Uh, he claims that uh, most of the uh, gophers. Uh, uh, they they arrive in the truck after their transport through the tube a little bit dazed. He said <laughs> a little dazed. <laughs> All right, now so how do they prevent uh, gopher pileup? In other words, if one gopher comes flying through at 300 miles an hour and hits the foam, I've got uh-huh. that part, and he lives. He's he's a little dazed or has mm-hmm. a heart attack or whatever. Then the second gopher fires at 300 miles an hour. How come he doesn't land on top of the first gopher at 300 miles an hour? Now that'd be a mess. Well, they. Uh, they go about the gopher colonies the, uh, with this truck, and uh, they're not scooping up uh, gophers, you know, uh, by the by the large numbers. They're, they find a gopher uh, trail or a, a gopher uh, tunnel, and uh, they put the hose down the, the tunnel, and they'll scoop one or two up, and then they, you know, have to spot them again, and they move the truck over to the next. Yeah, but I mean, how would you prevent? Uh, for example, suppose there's a whole family, mom, dad, and three little gopher babies, all, all sort of in there together. You mm-hmm. Well, that, that, they, didn't, they didn't mention the, the, uh, the offspring, the little ones in that. Well, but... if the inventor of this uh, insidious machine, or wonderful machine, would like to contact me, I will interview him. How's yeah, it? it's, it's very interesting. But he's, he's uh, transport, transporting a lot of these gophers where they ordinarily would shoot them. Seems to me, if you just uh, 
left the other end, you know, like a vacuum cleaner, just blew them out the other end. You could almost put these gophers in orbit. Just blow them out into low Earth orbit. All right, well, listen, thank you very much for the call. <laughs> Only here. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello? Going once, going twice, gone. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Art. Yes. About, this is Mark in Decatur, Alabama. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I just hearing, listening to you talk about the possibility of having Harry Brown on. Yeah, what do you think of that idea? Uh, on the night of the debates, assuming he is denied access, um, I could kind of make notes on the questions submitted to the candidates uh, and then submit roughly the same questions to Harry Brown just to see what it would have been like uh, had he been there. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. I like the idea. So did I. Unfortunately, he doesn't stand at much of a chance of winning. No. But I think he's probably the most principled person I've heard of. Yes. From. Even though I don't agree with all of his principles, there is no question about it. The man is principled. He's also, by the way, on all 50 uh, state ballots. And that makes me think that people who qualify ought to get at least one shot at the debates. Well, I agree with that. So do I. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I thought it would be interesting. All right, thank you very much. So maybe I'll do that. His headquarters thought it would be a good idea, which I thought was very flattering. I mean, on the night of the debates, it gives him an opportunity to respond. And uh, the trick would be to make note of the questions asked of the other two candidates and get Harry's answer. And that way you can sit back and imagine what, uh, what the debates would have been like or how they would have been altered had the Libertarian candidate been there. The debate commission is about to meet, and I rather think that uh, Ross Perot and Harry Brown are not going to be in, although they ought to be. I don't know what the criterion should be. Perhaps being on all 50 state ballots ought to qualify a person for at least the first round of the debates. I don't know. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello, Art Bell. Yes, sir. I listened to your program since May. I since May. I one night by accident. Uh, well, a lot of people find me by accident. <laughs> I had never heard of you until then, but your programs are fantastic, and I listen almost all the time. Thank you. Well, they are different. I have three things to talk with you about. All right. All of them are quick. All right. This is Flight 800. Yes, sir. I have thought from the very beginning that this was probably a missile that brought down Flight 800. Mm -hmm. I talked to a friend of mine who was retired from the Air Force this last weekend, and the first thing he said when he saw me is, what do you think brought down Flight 800? I said, a missile, but I don't know what kind or where it came from. Right. He said, I thoroughly agree. He said, Aviation Week and Space Technology, which is a magazine that you oh, probably yes. have heard of, oh, yes. is running a whole series of articles on Flight 800. And he says there's a, uh, there was a National Guard air group practicing about 30 miles from where that flight went down. That's right. And I also had another article indicating the uh, the Air Force, the Army, the military is not cooperating with the FBI in the investigation. That's very suspicious. Not surprising. Yes, it is. Because they would protect one another until they found out exactly what happened. Well, uh, look, yes, you no, know, uh, that one doesn't wash here. I mean, we're talking about 230 American lives in airliner. no. That doesn't wash. If we did this by accident, then we need to come forward and damn well say so right away. Uh, and in not doing so, you have subverted the entire Constitution, in my opinion. Oh, I agree with that. Period. I mean, not only 
the act itself, uh, thank you, is bad enough. If it was an accident, that's horrible. Uh, but it is not as horrible as one federal agency, in effect, keeping it from another. I'm not, not saying that's what's going on here. But that would be truly horrible. That would mean the, the, the end of everything that we hold and cherish as dear. Uh, and that is, uh, I don't know, the American way. You just don't do that. If there is an accident, uh, you own up to it. You make changes so it never happens again. You don't hide it. If you indulge a cover-up, you know, then we're losing it. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, no, I guess we missed you. Uh, too bad. Uh, wild card line, you're on the air. Good morning. Uh, Art. That's me. All right, great. Turn, turn your radio off, please. Yeah, yeah, I got you. There you um, go. <clears throat> listen, uh, my friend, well, I'm going to start off. My name is James. I'm calling from Nashville, Tennessee. And um, I guess I've been listening for about two years now. i got my friend Ron here with me. Uh, we're in college here. And uh, you got to forgive me. I'm a little nervous, so uh, bear I with understand. me. I understand. I um, understand. I've got a sort of an ultimate conspiracy theory here about um, <clears throat> the crop circles. Okay. Um, you know what somebody did? Somebody sent me a fax a little earlier tonight and said they think crop circles are harp. They also think that uh, Saddam Hussein is going to be found with a uh, with, with red burn marks all over him in the middle of a crop circle in Iraq. Well, this has nothing to do with people on Earth. I'm talking about, uh, I guess, <laughs> interplanetary conspiracy. Really? <clears throat> um, just hear me out, and, and you can. I'm listening. You can make your judgment. Um, this is just a thought. Um, you know, people people read information um, on a point scale. Like you, you read a book, it could be on a twelve twelve point font or you know a smaller font. Um, right. We read on a really small scale. Right. Um, these aliens, you know, apparently have done a lot of research on human beings and uh, know somewhat of, of how we how we tick and <clears throat> how we <clears throat> ingest information. I would assume. Um, <clears throat> But uh, these crop circles are humongous. You know, I don't know if you've ever... Have you ever been, actually been to one and seen No, one? but I don't have to go to one, sir, to appreciate the dimensions of them. I've got photographs on my website, as you know. Obviously. Okay, so, obviously, you know, if you were to walk up to one and look at it... Yeah. Um, you know, it, it would probably not um, register too well. You probably couldn't digest a whole lot of it. Well, it would not be particularly impressive on the ground anyway. Uh, you've got to see the, the totality of it, and that can only be done from the air. Okay. Okay. My point. Okay, that is my point. Um, who sees things from the air? Okay, we see things from the air in planes. Okay? That is not our natural realm, obviously. Um, to, to what do we um, associate the sky with? Uh, besides planes, and that's UFOs. Well, all right, yes, I see where you're going. Thank you. In other words, uh, it can only be seen from the air, therefore it was done from the air, and I think that is a safe conclusion. I don't think it necessarily leads one to uh, the conclusion that, you know, it's done by saucers. But done from the air, I, yeah, I, I'd say you could draw that conclusion. Listen to this. I got this from um, a certain television station, and I won't mention which, in Hawaii. Hi, Art. I'm in the process of tracking down a very interesting guest for you. I've got a friend named Paul who lives uh, part-time in Honolulu, part-time in Portland, head of a fairly large and uh, successful company. He has a girlfriend named Anita. In the past, I brought up the subject of UFOs with both Paul and Anita. 
Neither of them knew enough about it to make an opinion, or have an opinion. I suspect they probably thought I was a bit off kilter. Recently, Paul and Anita came to Hawaii for a visit. Anita approached me with great excitement, said she'd met a woman I had to talk to, something about something had really gotten Anita's attention on the subject of UFOs. And this is her story about the woman. This woman currently works for the huge hydroelectric power company in the northwest, Bonneville Power. She apparently holds a major position there. The woman is a Native American, and very much into Native American history, language, and culture. She can speak and read one of the ancient languages. The woman has also been in the special forces, and apparently holds a high-level, top-secret clearance. According to her, she was contacted by certain officials sometime in the past, and taken to a crystal mountain somewhere near Palm Desert, California. She was shown some inscriptions in crystal that were very, very old and asked to translate them. According to this woman, they were written in a number of ancient languages. One of them was the Native American language or petrographs that she's able to read. She says they had been etched by laser and were holographs. Very high-tech, yet very ancient. The message translated simply, quote, We came to this planet. We seeded this planet. We will return. End quote. Anita says this woman is now ready to go public with her story. She can verify her credentials. I am in the process of contacting her. Unfortunately, I work for a mainstream local TV news department, which I will not identify, should I take this to my news director, he'd ask me what I'd been smoking. So when I contact the woman, I will give you the information. Take care. Love the show. Dick in Hawaii. <laughs> well, thanks, Dick. I appreciate that. We'll follow it up. I don't care. People already know I'm crazy, and I'll do this sort of thing, and that's fascinating, so I will follow it up indeed. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Hello. This is Larry Mobile. Uh, Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. All right. Hopefully we won't get the storm. <laughs> Hopefully not. We tend to get them here, but are in the northern Gulf. Anyway, uh, about an hour ago, you had a Dark Skies promo. You played as a bumper. Uh, oh, not a bumper. No, sir. There, uh, That's NBC advertising on my program. Well, now, let me play ignorant for a moment. I work with an NBC affiliate, and that is an actual promo. And that's an, an actual advertisement for Dark Skies. Yeah, okay, they're, they're, they're a promo for NBC. Not a promo, a commercial. We're, we're being paid to play that. Oh, okay, I see, because I had not seen that as a promo on the network. No. But you're being paid to carry that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like probably one of, a very intriguing show. Oh, it is. I've got the first two-hour ep episode. Ah, ha, ha, ha. They sent it to me. Oh, you've seen it? Oh, yeah. Well, you can't fill us in, can you? No, absolutely not. You're sworn to secrecy? Uh, absolutely so. I can tell you, you don't want to miss it, and if you enjoy what's on this program, you're going to be in love with that program. Well, I can't wait. You know, a couple of weeks, though, we're going to be glued to the set. Of course, <laughs> I'll be at work, but... I'll be taping it for sure. All right. Excellent. All right, my friend. Thank Thanks, you. Art. We enjoy it. Thank you very much. Take right. care. Oh, yes, I'm uh, very pleased about that. And, and I understand Fox has contacted us uh, for advertising as well, so that's cool, too. And by the way, for those of you down in, um, uh, down in uh, Louisiana and uh, down in New Orleans, Louisiana, 
We now are talking to two stations, WTIX and WSMB. And the latest is WSMB, and now it's becoming kind of a bidding war for the show in New Orleans. So obviously we're going to be back in New Orleans very quickly. If you get an opportunity, uh, give WSMB a call and tell them you'd like to have the program. And we'll see which one gets it. And there may even be a third. So we're going to be in New Orleans in days. You figured. I told you. You're listening to the best in late night, live, spontaneous talk. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from September 9th, 1996. Somewhere in time. Tonight's program originally aired September 9th, 1996. I might enjoy a little bit of the real thing. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess I'm like everybody else. I kind of like this dumb song. This is actually the real, the real Macarena. And it is catchy. All right, here's, uh, here's a fact from Montgomery, Alabama. It says, hey, Art, a man walks into an antique store and begins looking around. All of a sudden, he spies a huge brass rat in the corner. He falls in love with it instantly. So he takes it to the cashier. The old grizzly cashier says, the rat, eh? Yeah, how much, replies our friend. Well, five bucks for the rat, but two hundred dollars for the story, he replies. So, the customer obviously says, well, I'll just take the rat, forget the story. He leaves the store, his precious brass rat tucked under his arm. Soon, he begins to notice that a few rats are following him. So he walks a few more blocks, and the number of rats behind him is increased. This continues until there are virtually millions and millions of rats behind him. Afraid of this mass following, the man runs to the sea and throws his brass rat in. All of the rats plunged in after it and met their watery, twitching deaths. The man ran back to the antique store, of course. The old cashier was chuckling to himself, so... Do you now want 
the story? No, the man says, but um, have, you, have you got any brass Democrats? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing. Where are you calling from, This sir? is Bruce in New Orleans. Oh, hi, Bruce. Yeah, we're picking you up tonight on, uh, on out of San Antonio. Yep, well, then you may have heard me say give WSMB a call, because they're probably about to pick up the show. I already did. I gave them a call last Tuesday, matter of fact. Excellent. Thank you. That's all I want to let you know. Uh, keep, up the good, keep up the good work, and uh, looking forward to getting you on another station down here. All right, my friend. Thank <laughs> you. It's coming in the next few days. Uh, we don't know who it'll be just yet. It'll be one of them down there, that's for sure. This is interesting, too, um, and I thought I would get it out to you just because it makes you think. If we could shrink the Earth's population to a village of precisely 100 people, now think about that for a moment, shrink the entire Earth's population to a village of 100 people with all existing human ratios remaining the same, the village, Hillary's no doubt, would look like this. There'd be 57 Asians, 21 Europeans, 14 from the Western Hemisphere, North and South, and 8 Africans. That's it. 57 Asians, 21 Europeans, 14 from the West, and 8 Africans. 51 would be female, 49 male. 70 would be non-white. 30 would be white. 70 would be non-Christian. 30 would be Christian. 50% of the entire world's wealth would be in the hands of 6 people... <laughs> And all six would be citizens of the USA. Eighty would live in substandard housing. Seventy would be unable to read. Fifty would suffer from malnutrition. One would be near death. One would be near birth. Only one would have a college education. No one would own a computer. Wow. When one considers our world from such an incredibly compressed perspective... The need for both tolerance and understanding becomes glaringly apparent. I thought that was uh, priceless. And I want to thank Jerry, uh, who's a good friend of mine, for sending it along. Thank you, Jerry. First time caller line, you're on the air. Yeah, sorry. Hello. Yeah, Chuck from Amarillo. Amarillo, Texas. Oh, my old stomping grounds. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. I was talking to one of the station operators down here that... Uh, Eighteen knew you way back when. Eighteen glorious uh, months, year and a half at Amarillo. Uh, I understand you're going to have uh, Richard Hoagland on. Is that correct? Um, I am. Uh, this anti-gravity business is absolutely stunning, and he is prepared to talk about it. So um, sometime, I don't know, maybe this week, um, he wants to do a little more research, get totally up to speed, and then tell us what's going on. I. I got a couple questions I'd like you to ask him if, if you could. All right. Uh, I was out in the backyard there playing with my telescope, and uh, I was checking out the eastern quadrant for, uh, quadrant of the moon. Right. And uh, have you ever been in a airplane and looked down and watched an airplane cross underneath you? Oh yes. Okay. Well, this is what I saw in the moon. I had a really highly magnified where I could look down into the valleys. Right. And I followed this dot, and it started at the top as you were looking at the moon, and went clear to the bottom, you know, on hmm. a direct course. Now, you mean it, it moved? Yeah, all the way down. Uh -huh. And I'd like to ask is, do we have any satellites circling the moon now? And if so, how tight can they get the orbit? 
Okay, I believe the answer to that is no, but I will ask Richard for you. Okay, I truly appreciate that because, you know, it was just a black dot, and it was, you know, uh, I was I was more, you know, interested in the valleys and the stuff on the moon, you know, and I was thinking to myself, my, have I got a good picture here. Sounds like the interview I did with the uh, with the astronomer the other day. Uh, people uh, see things in telescopes, and they don't talk about them unless you have a show about it. Then they talk about them. <laughs> Well, it was something that surprised me, and it was, you know, it looked like it, you know, it had direction in its mind, you know. If it would have been a bird or anything of that nature, there would have been a zigzag pattern. Well, I'm, I mean, look at the scale, sir. For something to be a black dot, assuming that it was in uh, moon orbit or somewhere near the moon, for you to see it as a dot, it would have to be absolutely gigantic. Yeah, I would imagine, and to be that deliberate, that's the reason why I thought, well, maybe I'm, you know, catching uh, a satellite going you know, Either that, or maybe maybe, maybe it was a fly or a little bug going across your lens. Well, I thought about that too, man. But you know, you go up in front and go. You know the panhandle and the wind. <laughs> I I do indeed. Uh, boy, I'll tell you, they used to say there is a direct line from the Arctic right down the side of the mountains and dumping into Amarillo, and they were right. Well, that's right. Well, it's all flat between here and the North Pole, anyhow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> thank you, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Take care. That's Amarillo. Yeah, year and a half at Amarillo. It's actually kind of a neat place. Um, it is, if, particularly if you like weather. You know me and uh, my old friend Lynn, and we love weather, and Amarillo was just the right place for it. I mean, sometimes you would you'd go outside, you know, on a summer day when you're having a good thunderstorm, you'd look out, and at the horizon, which was some distance away, you would see this great wall of red moving toward you. And I say red because it was picking up... Uh, uh, a dust and dirt uh, as it would come, and it was like the right hand of God was about to slam you and slap you. And usually that's about the way it turned out. All right, well, I want you to hear this because a lot of people think I'm off my rocker and all wet. Sometimes I am. But Art, as further evidence of the compass deviation phenomenon that you've been discussing on your program, listen to this. I've been boating in Southern California for about 40 years. I frequently go to a favorite spot on Catalina Island. A weekend or two ago, my wife and I traveled to the island from our normal harbor to our normal spot on the island, using the same boat, the same compass we've been using for six years. As is my usual practice, I entered the normal course heading into the automatic pilot, and off we went. Well, guess what happened? When we were about halfway to Catalina, a 21-mile run, I noted on the radar that the ship was not headed for our spot, but was heading about six degrees off course. After experiencing this, I thought of your comments regarding the magnetic deviations being experienced in other areas. Now, I tested this on the reciprocal course, in other words, heading back to the harbor from the island at the end of the weekend, and using my normal course from the island to the mainland, I would have missed the harbor entrance if I had not made a correction. Art, I tell you, I've used this course for literally decades and have used it with this boat and this autopilot for six years. Very strange indeed. A ham operator, uh, Lynn. Thank you very much, Lynn. So, you know, there is something going on out there with regard to magnetic deviation. You're just not hearing about it anywhere but here. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art Bell. This is Mike from Grandview. 
Grandview, Washington? Yes. Okay. You've got hum on your phone, Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a used phone. Uh-huh. What can I do for you? Well, I've been listening to your show for uh, quite a while now. I find it pretty interesting. It is, yes. I was uh, wondering about those uh, lights in the crop circles. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, listen, I'm going to leave the line because that really is awful. Um, if you heard the segment with Linda Moulton Howe, which ran Friday and Monday uh, in lieu of the live uh, Dreamland. By the way, Whitley Strieber is going to be with us, I believe, on the 22nd. Uh, we've rescheduled that. Oh, uh, as a matter of fact, let me tell you what's coming up uh, on Dreamland. But first, let me just finish where I was going. Uh, she reported that uh, we now appear to have a videotape of a crop circle actually being formed. In other words, actually caught on videotape in nine seconds with spherical lights above it, dancing above it. So I'm looking forward to that evidence. And finally, perhaps we are getting somewhere on this crop circle business. September 15th on Dreamland, Dr. Richard Boylan, author of Extraterrestrial Contact and Human Responses. September 22nd, Whitley Strieber, uh, abductee, author of Communion, and he's got new books out now. He'll tell you about those. September 29th, astronaut Dr. Brian O'Leary, author of Miracle in the Void. October 6th. Now, October, uh, we devote pretty much to ghostly things, as you may know, culminating in our ghost-to-ghost -ghost show on Halloween. So October 6th begins it with Richard Sennett, author of The Haunted Southland. On October 20th, Amber Wolf, The Witch's Witch, author of Elemental Power. As you know, I have wanted to interview a witch. Amber Wolf will be coming up October 20th, October 27th. Dr. Philip Stander and Dr. Paul Schmoling, I believe it is, authors of Poltergeists and the Paranormal Fact Beyond Fiction. November 10th, uh, Dr. Bruce Goldberg, author of Past Lives, Future Lives. November 24th, John Michael Greer, author of Paths of Wisdom, Principles and Practice of the Magical Kabbalah in Western Tradition. So that's quite a lineup of what's coming up on Dreamland. Just thought you might want to know. Listen, you've got to get to my webpage uh, tonight. No matter what else you do, you have got to get up there and uh, see this article, which is uh, in full, uh, printed by this, uh, uh, this newspaper uh, called The Times, uh, which I understand is not a tabloid, though uh, this is a very tabloidy uh, article, I think. They never consulted me, never called me. They could have. It says, talk show host hiding saucer parts. Exclusive. Learn the truth behind arts parts. Feds ready to swoop. <laughs> the entire article is there, and uh, I think you'll get a kick out of it, so we put it up on the webpage. That is there, and so much more. Brand new on the webpage. Uh, take a look. It's www.artbell.com www.artbell.com East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Is this Art? It is, yes. Yeah, this is Maja from uh, Jacksonville, Florida. How you doing? 
Yeah, uh, I heard a while back you were ha- it had an episode of uh, Dreamland with vampires uh, about vampires. That's right. Yeah, I, I'm really sad I missed that one. Cause I, I would love to have called in and told you about the other side of the coin, Which werewolves. It, werewolves? Yes. I didn't know. Werewolves are the other side of the vampire coin? Oh, yes. How so? Uh, we are sworn enemies of the vampire, actually. We uh, uh, we don't like each other a bit. <laughs> Uh, we, we, yeah. uh, we, what What do you mean, we, Tonto? <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, that, that means you are a vampire? No, I am a werewolf. You are a werewolf? Well, what you would call a werewolf. Well, that's fine. I mean, um, we, we won't play with words here. You're a werewolf. <laughs> what, is, what is that, what does that boil down to meaning? I mean, what do you, what do you do as a werewolf? Well, it's not much different than uh, anybody else. It's just a yeah. cultural kind of thing. There's, there is a little bit uh, of physical difference, but uh, between us and uh, uh, most humans. But uh, well, what what is a werewolf? What's a typical day for a werewolf? Just pretty much anything like a, a human. We we lead pretty human lives. Uh, it, the only uh, the only difference is, yes. uh, uh, we have a, a little bit of uh, heightened senses. And we uh, better sense tend to smell. Try and stay away from vampires <laughs> during oh, the day. Better sense of smell. Yes, and uh, we can see a little bit into the infrared area, and uh, like a normal. What about, what about what about your teeth? Uh, no, there's no teeth. Uh, <laughs> long teeth and uh. How about a hair? No, no general. Uh, hair? we just look like everybody else. Well, then, how are we to discern you from the average guy on the street? Uh. Pretty much you don't. That's the idea. <laughs> well, werewolves, though, I mean, they occasionally, they, they don't they attack people and eat them? No, that's a... Uh, uh, Old wives' tale? Actually, it's a uh, vampire propaganda. Vampire propaganda. Mm-hmm. Sort of, uh, so, sort of a kind of a jealousy or um, a hatred or... Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's, uh... Uh, the most, uh, the most they can do to get us, uh, found out or, uh, just, just basically get the, uh, general populace after us is a plus on their side. Have you ever been identified by a vampire? Actually, that's an interesting story, because, uh, just, uh, about two, three weeks ago, uh, uh, a guy came up to a friend of mine in school yeah. and, uh, uh, pegged me and, uh, two other members of my clan as, uh, werewolves. That's bad. And he wasn't a vampire. He because he, he pegged uh, three uh, vampires that go to that school. Well, I guess that's lucky for you. Uh, actually, it's how can now how me. can you know that he won't go to the vampires and identify the werewolves? Uh, that's that's what scares me. Uh, uh, this guy was not a vampire, but he he uh, was able to peg us and some vampires, and it. it well, think uh, of his incredible bargaining position. Yeah. Jeez. I have no idea what he, his game is. Now you said school. Are you in school? Uh, well, not me particularly. Not you. Uh, I go to. Uh, I'm going to SCJ right now. You're going what? I'm going to uh, the commu- uh, Florida Community College at Jacksonville right now. Do they know they've got a vampire uh, on board? And I mean, no. I, I'm sorry, a werewolf. Excuse <laughs> no. me. No. No, it's generally not a good idea to go you know, telling or going around telling everybody you're a werewolf. <laughs> you don't think the educational system there would respond well to news like that? No, I'd probably get a request for counseling. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you considered that perhaps that might be a productive avenue? 
Well, uh, I have actually uh, thought about that because uh, uh-huh. this is, uh, uh, kind of weirded me out when I found out about it because there's, there's two ways you can uh, uh, become one of the uh, breed, as we call ourselves. And how does one become uh, a werewolf? Well, you're either uh, born into it or yeah. you're, uh, uh, you have the spirit of a... Uh, I don't particularly believe in reincarnation, but I guess it's, you know... Well, listen, we're about out of time, so I need to know which is the case with you. Were you born into it, or...? Uh, no, I, I, uh, my soul is the soul of an uh, old werewolf. I've, uh, uh, I, I, uh... Soul of a werewolf. Yeah. Bummer. Listen, I've got to go. Well, I'm going to be sending you a letter soon. If I'll, I'll, get off I'll definitely it. look forward to that, all right? All right. All right. Take care. Probably a hairy butt, huh? <laughs> All Night Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell's Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from September 9th, 1996. Somewhere in time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from September 9th, 1996. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here this morning. Another week of who knows what underway. Don't get to talk to a werewolf every day. That was kind of fun. I didn't know they were enemies of... Vampires. I, I had no idea. Well, live and learn. Smoking cigarettes and watching Captain I don't tell me. Wild card line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello, this is Lonnie from Wichita. How you doing? Pretty good. Uh, I'd like to read you just one little short statement, if I could. It'll only take a few seconds. Is this your statement? No, it's not. No, it's not. Whose statement is it? Uh, it comes from a man inside Time magazine. Inside Time? Uh-huh. Wow, you must be a flat guy. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Okay, maintenance chief, uh, Nico Juriak fiddles with the dials on his non-directional radio beacon. In a couple of hours, he will be a rich man. The two American operatives told him if he can quietly send Ron Brown's airplane into St. John's Hill. All he must do is to shut off his radio beacon. At the same moment, a decoy beacon is turned on 
at the base of the mountain. Uh, well, oh, let's see. Yeah, of course, you know that could. The beacon be. switch is com- the beacon switch is completed. The plane collides with the mountain, leaving only one survivor who was quietly murdered by the medevac flight surgeon on board the military helicopter oh, sent to rescue Miss Shelley Kelly. Oh, that doesn't sound like time at all. Check out Shelley Kelly. You'll find out I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, well, maybe, but I, it doesn't sound like Time magazine. So. Well, they kind of got the story jerked by the uh, the head of it. Oh, so in other words, it didn't run in time. It got its oh, head cut off. See, see, all right. You know, don't quote some, some magazine like Time and then read a story like that and then tell me that it never did run. That's such tripe. <sighs> what a conspiracy crap. Now, now, who do you suppose had Ron Brown killed? Hmm? Think the President of the United States? I mean, that is what you're saying, isn't it? The President of the United States had Ron Brown killed? Come on. Give me a break. I'm so sick of that kind of stuff. You know, it is exactly that kind of stuff that I, I think actually helps President Clinton. People so, get so damn far out into ridiculous nonsense uh, regarding political conspiracy that they actually end up helping the candidate. That's what I think's happened. I think uh, uh, it's to the point where people are at saturation with the Clinton bashing. Not that he doesn't deserve bashing in some counts, but uh, it's gone way too far, and there's a sort of a saturation numbing effect after a while, and uh, Bill Clinton did this, killed that person, killed this person. Uh, he'd be busy uh, issuing orders to have people killed. Wouldn't be able to get anything else done if he killed all the people people thought he killed. So I think it's, uh, it does a disservice to uh, consideration of uh, real issues. You know, we're never going to get to that. I mean, there are real issues to be discussed in, in this coming choice, and that kind of stuff just washes everything else away. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, Art? Hello. How you doing? This is Al Carr from Northern California. Hello, Al. How are you? Fine. I've been wanting to reach you for quite some time, and I'm surprised I got through. But anyway, um, I've been listening to the show for well over a year now, and uh, what's uh, held my interest were the, uh, the Egyptian uh, discussions on the artifacts. Yes. And uh, your Bigfoot and your arch parts. Yes. Anyway, uh, if I may say, about 25 years ago, I came into some artifacts myself, uh, quite interesting. Oh. And uh, at first, when I purchased them, I thought they were—we thought they were Native American. I purchased them from a very old gentleman. What are these and, artifacts? Well, about a year and a half ago, we finally found out through uh, my research of five years that they're actually Neanderthal. Uh huh. And what I have in my possession are you mean is, like uh, Charlie's relatives or something? Pardon me. Nothing. nothing. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, what I have in my possession are uh, stone. Uh, weapons and tools and uh, uh, heads that are carved in the likeness of uh, half half uh, uh, man and half ape, and some are baboon, and some are uh, very gorilla and ape in shape, in form really? that is. Really? Um, like example, on one stone, uh, there's an effigy, a very thick-browed person, which is a male, and its little nose and its large lips. Don't people, when they come into your house and they see these things, I mean, how do you have them displayed? Are they in a glass case? No, no, I have them. Uh, what I'm doing is 
Uh, I've kept it under wraps for quite some time because I, I had no idea what I had until a few years ago. I thought that we thought they were Native American Indian. I know, but when people come into your house and they see, uh -huh. you, you know, uh, heads and stuff. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, no, I have them just stored away. I really don't have them on display. I, don't I, I think that's good. I really don't display them. I wouldn't do that, yeah. No, no, sir. And uh, uh, the thing is that uh, I've, on my research, in fact, over uh, tonight on a, an archaeology show, uh, they were saying how that if one single piece could be found in the Americas, in the New World, mm. it would change the entire evolution of mankind in the Americas. Well, think and, of what responsibility you have there. Well, the thing is that I have, uh, you know, a very large collection, and I've made contact with a very famous auction house. We're to hear back from them. Oh, so, you're going to sell them away for profit? Well, the thing is, I have so <laughs> I have so many pieces, and they're just sitting here. And I was wondering, maybe some of your callers might know, because what's really interesting, Art, is that the gentleman you had on there discussing the, the, the Sphinx. Yeah. I have some stone carvings that are shaped like the Sphinx. I have others that remind me of Amun-Ra, the sun god. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. Why yeah. don't you take some photographs and send me some photographs? Oh, I'd love to do that. Sure, I've already got some in sketches also. Well, I don't want sketches. I want pictures. Sure, sure. All right? Send me pictures, and I'll get them up on the web. All right, take care. God, heads. Heads. And he's going to auction them off. Oh, man. I can just see that auction now. Sold to the man in the red shirt. Take your head, sir. Change all of Western civilization. He's going to auction them off. Soft beast, maybe. Huh? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Steve from South Dakota. Hey, Steve. So you ought to get yourself a telescope, Art. Well, you really should. Get I really have a cool pair of binoculars that's the next best thing. I mean, they're really incredible binoculars. What are the power? Um, I think they're 8 by 40. I got a pair of 16 by 70 Fujinons. Well, and they're really something. But you, but but you need to get a telescope so you can see, uh, you know, uh, Hale Bop, Hale -Bop and uh, the moon. Hey, look, if I just wait, I don't need to invest. Hale Bop is going to be pretty obvious, pretty soon. Yeah, it is. Say, I got some negatives today from NASA. Yeah. And of of the moon, and I hope I get in them when you know, uh, Mr. Hoagland's on. Yeah. But I got one negative uh, from Lunar Orbiter Three, mm -hmm. and it's a remarkable negative. What do you see in it? There's an S crater. Remember I mentioned that to Richard when he was on last time? Yeah, I do. And it sticks out just, it's just unbelievably anomalous. It's just unbelievable. And I i, I got four, uh, actually I've got four or five negatives. What is anomalous about it? It's an S-shaped crater. It There's an S in the middle of the crater. You mean like a Superman symbol? Yes. Well, no, 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 no. It's its just like a, a, a line that was drawn, an S. A perfect S. Perfect, huh? A perfect S. And I ordered uh, two frames from Apollo 8, one from Apollo 10, and two from uh, Apollo 14. And I'm sending these negatives down to Texas to a really good lab, and I'm having about 28 by 10s blown up of these. Uh, really, uh, I got some of this stuff from, you know, you know uh, Steckling's book. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Steve, again... If you get an 8x10, fire it off to me, and I'll uh, scan it, get it up to the website. Well, this crater, this S crater, is, is going to be as big as a 50-cent piece. 
and it's a sixteenth of an inch on the actual print. All right, well, as I say, send it to me, and we'll get it up there for everybody to see. I sure will, sir. All right, Steve, thanks. The web is just great for that. I mean, it's just great for that. Instead of talking about things and my trying to draw a word picture for you, I can let you see it for yourself. That's why I love it so much. You know, you can put your, uh, your, your evidence where your mouth is. That's why I don't know how this paper got off of this stuff. Unbelievable. Talk show host hiding saucer parts. Exclusive. Learn the truth behind our parts. Feds ready to swoop. You got to read this article. I'm telling you. I just I don't know where they get this stuff. They they must make it up as they go. And then somebody, you know, I thought for sure it was a tabloid. And somebody writes to me and says, Oh no, it's not a tabloid. Well, it's not. Then they made it up as they went. They could have called me. They could have called my network. But uh, but no. So they just made feds ready to swoop. I mean, if that's not tabloid, then that's tabloid like. I don't know what the difference is. Back we go to the land of the unknown. Talk radio unscreened. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Top of the morning. Yes, sir, Mr. Bell. It's a pleasure to speak with you again. I'm calling from Galveston, Texas. Galveston, yes, yes sir. sir. Um, I was wondering uh, when you ever have uh, Stanford Friedman on again. I thought he was a... Very interesting man. He absolutely is. Stan is a good friend, and uh, we can have him on again really any time. Uh, Stan's always willing to come on, so I, I'll try and fit him in. Okay, thank you. Okay, sir. Take care. Galveston, Houston, Galveston. KTRH, Houston, the big one. we got another big one coming in Texas soon, but they won't let me talk about it. They won't let me talk about it. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. This is Antonio from Cherry Hills, Colorado. Yes, sir. I just wanted to say hi to you. Uh, last time I saw you, we were uh, at the golf course at Cherry Hills there, and we were watching um, Arnold Palmer hit one in on the eighth hole. No, you, you got me mixed up with somebody else. Is this Art Bell? Yeah. You sound the same. But uh, but I'm not the person. I've never watched Arnold Palmer in person in my life. You were down there when Nixon was there? No. Oh, my gosh. I could have sworn that was you. Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to make a comment on the McDougal thing. Sure. You know, I think it's a shame. I think the girl's covering up for the president, and she's taking it in the gut, and she's going down. And well, I, I, I was a victim. I think she's a political prisoner, actually. Do you? Yes. Uh, well, she looked a little like one in chains. Man, they had her all chained up earlier today. I saw that. They had her shackled. Uh, she was once a, you know, a particularly striking woman. She was a very beautiful woman. Uh, she's, you know, you can tell she's a little older now, but you can tell by her features that uh, she was once incredible. No, absolutely fine. Yeah. I think I think it's, it's, it's sad that uh, our government takes a stance like this. But it's, see, it's she's yeah, but the thing is, she says she doesn't know anything about the Clintons. Now, if she did, why not sing and get a, sh you know, get free? She because she can take it in the gut. She can go down. Yeah, why? Why, well, why would she go down for the Clintons? Well, would you do? Would you look? Would you do? Uh, well, would you do eighteen months for the Clintons? I did five years. I, no, I said, would you do it for the Clintons? I wouldn't do it for the Clintons. No. Oh, well, see, so why should she? Well, to make some money out of it. Well, maybe she'll write a book. I think it's already in the offering. Oh, yeah, right. I'm sure. No, I. You know, the way I think about it, she says she doesn't know anything. Uh, Star says uh, the accusations. 
that he's putting pressure on her to get information about the Clintons are a bunch of baloney. I'm not sure that I, I buy the whole thing, because I think she'd sing. Because I would. Would you? Hell yes. They tried to get me to sing when I was a political prisoner, and I said no. And I went through and I did my time, like she's doing. No, 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 no. What do you mean you were a political prisoner? Well, I was a p political prisoner back in the 60s. Charged with what? Cocaine. Cocaine? Yeah. Do you have cocaine? They said I did. Did you? No. No? No. They said I was actually... So they, they planted the cocaine on you? They did. They planted it. Why? Uh, to set me up. For Because of what? They wanted to take us down back in the 70s, the people in the cartel. I thought you, I thought you said it was the 60s. Well, this is late 60s, early 70s. Mm -hmm. All right, well, thank you, but I, I don't think she's a political prisoner, and uh, I'm sorry, but you can hear stories of Dom and Dozen like yours in the jailhouse, you know? Everybody's innocent. They plan it. They frame me. They frame me. Well, maybe they did. But uh, for some nefarious reason, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. People do get framed, but uh, not as frequently as you would imagine. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hello. 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 Yes, I'd like to tell you about a diagram I have of a, a picture of the Sphinx, and there's a hidden door behind the left elbow and stairs going down. You have a diagram of a picture? Yes, a diagram of uh, the Sphinx with a hidden door behind the left elbow. Hmm. Also, I'd like to uh, mention something. Um, there's an object in ancient Egypt. Uh, they have never found it. It's, it's called a jed pillar. I asked Zachariah. It's called, it's called what? A jed pillar. A jed pillar? Yes, it has. it's a tall pillar. Uh, they had ceremonies and uh, festivals for raising the Jed Pillar. And Osiris is said to have raised the Jed Pillar. What is it? It's a, a tall pillar. It, it's hollow. And it comes down to a horn on the bottom. And it has four, like, capacitive plates on the top. Yeah. And evidently they use these in groups of uh, two and four and more. For what? This is the mystery. I believe... They create an artificial electrostatic grid, and the waveguide warps the grid. Well, that's as good a theory as any. I, I appreciate your call. I will tell, I'll give the audience a little bit of a tease. Next year, I'm going to Egypt. Next year, I'm going to Giza. Next year, I'm going to the pyramids. Next year, I'm going to the Sphinx. That's one uh, one of the places that we're going to go on the next cruise. Is uh, we're going to go into Alexandria, Egypt, and North Africa. Then we're going to travel to Cairo, and we're going to go to the pyramids. It's kind of a secret. It's not even it's not even official yet. It's going to be, and uh, I, I actually I have the itinerary of the next trip. The countries we're going to visit. We're going to go to every terror capital in the world, including Athens. And uh, I'll, I'll go and grab that thing, and uh, after the top of the hour, tell you where we're going. But the one place that we're going that I really, really, really want to get to is the pyramids. I have become convinced. I really have with regard to the pyramids, and uh, something I want to get done in my life is to personally personally see and walk into a pyramid.
So I'm going to do that next year. Doesn't that sound cool? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Hello. Hello. Am I talking to Art? Good guess. Okay, I want to talk. Could you elaborate more on the uh, anti-gravity machine that you found in Finland? Um, well, I've got the story on it. Um, it is a very convincing, credible story, and there's been a lot of scientific inquiry. And instead of elaborating on it right now, I'll wait till Mr. Hoagland gets here, and he can tell you precisely about it. Okay. I, can, I can tell you this, that it has been documented that everything above this machine uh, weighs less. In other words, uh, they had it down in one of the bottom floors, and as you went up through, it was a many, you know, a tall building. And as they went up through the floors, every single item when this machine is on weighs less. That, my friend, is indeed anti-gravity. Well, okay, and have you heard any more about at the, at the end of the sphinx or at the beginning where the head is at, there's supposed yes. to be some, like, a, there's like a chamber? Yeah, yes, I've heard a great deal about it, and, uh, of course, we've had many guests on about that as I just finished saying. Uh, incidentally, uh, toward the end of this month, Graham Hancock and his uh, co-author, uh, Mr. Baval, are coming to America, and we're going to have them both back on again. You know what I think would be really cool is if we could get Graham to come down, when we go to Egypt, if we could get Graham to fly down from London and, uh, and give us a tour. Wouldn't that be cool? I, I, I sort of thought of that uh, recently. Now, I'm way out ahead of things here, and I haven't even asked Graham about it, but I, I thought that would be particularly an interesting thing to do and to have Graham give the group the tour. I don't know if that could be done, but it's worth a shot. Anyway, we are, indeed, next year. And by the way, it's on the same ship we were on uh, this year, the Mazdan, going to Egypt. And I'm going into the pyramid. I'm going to get inside the pyramid. I want to experience it. It's just one of those things that I want to get done while I'm here. If you know what I mean. All right, we're going to break here at the top of the hour, and we'll be right back with more. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight, featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from September 9th, 1996.
listening to Art Bell Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from September 9th, 1996. Good morning, everybody. We'll kind of cruise over the news here in a moment and cover what there is to cover. Our president wants a billion dollars for airline security. Uh, One wonders uh, whether some of that money uh, perhaps ought to go for electronic countermeasures to be installed in 747s. Billion dollars uh, is a lot of money, and we're jumping on it kind of early since we don't know what brought down 800 just yet. One TWA uh, uh, checked that. One other pilot, an American Airlines pilot, um, this is an Associated Press article, by the way, says he saw a missile zip by his airliner, like that, hundreds of miles apart, but still and all, when you think about it, uh, there should not be missiles passing within sight or near the windshield of any commercial airliner. And uh, here we've got a pilot saying that uh, such is the case. Oh, listen, you've got to get to my webpage. There is this article written by this newspaper up in Canada, which, I, you know, I called it perhaps wrongly a tabloid. But I'll tell you, if this, somebody sent me a fax and said it's not a tabloid. But listen to the the headlines. Those of you familiar with the story should know better than this. It says, talk show host hiding saucer parts. Exclusive. Learn the truth behind arts parts. Feds ready to swoop. And it's a long article. It's up on the the webpage. Somebody sent it to the webpage. So Keith put it up there. And uh, I, I really think that you ought to read this and you tell me what kind of an article you think it is. They they never consulted me. They never called me, of course. Talks about me and arts parts and all the rest of it, but I mean come on. Sheesh. All the all the testing, I mean they they've gone to the Carnegie Institute in Washington. All the testing that we've done, every every sort of uh, legitimate uh, scientist we could lay our hands on, every government agency we could consult. Every rare metals manufacturer in the U.S. that uh, well, might even uh, manufacture something of this sort, and they're saying talk show host hiding saucer parts. Give me a break. Um, Iraq uh, turns out we had a big operation up in northern Iraq. CIA did to, you know, overthrow Saddam, probably get him killed or whatever, and so he got upset and chased up there and. CIA guys had to split real quick and leave a bunch of good stuff behind that now no doubt Saddam has. And that's part of the reason why all of that happened, I am told. And that is rather interesting, uh, very interesting actually. And I just wonder, we spend all these millions on CIA guys to chase around and train people to go do what we ought to just do. You know, if we're going to kill this guy, I said it earlier, then we ought to just kill him, you know. And stop with all this baloney. If we're going to kill him, we're going to kill him. Fran, the hurricane, now not a hurricane, of course, but leaving behind a billion dollars damage in North Carolina and flooding all over West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland, Washington, D.C. Flooding, flooding, flooding. A new hurricane is now born named Hortense. Hortense is hardly moving, sitting, threatening now Puerto Rico and my good friends uh, in the islands. And I talked to a lady uh, in the Virgin Islands uh, at the beginning of the program, and she said it's just raining like hell. It may dump up to a foot of rain, and the bad part of it is it's roughly just sitting, kind of wobbling. It was going six miles an hour, then they couldn't measure any forward movement, and it's sitting and building and 
So that's not good. And it may or may not threaten the U.S. mainland. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see. I got a call from Harry Brown's headquarters. They said, hey, Art, the night of the debates, how would you like to have Harry Brown on? I thought, what a cool idea. You know, uh, Clinton and Dole will debate. I think the, the uh, election commission is going to meet the debate people commission, and they're not going to let Harry Brown in. I really doubt they're going to let the little Texan in either. I think this year they're not going to. I could be wrong, and I hope I am wrong, but I think the odds are that they're not going to be allowed in. And so if that turns out to be the case, the offer is to have Harry on the show, and uh, he apparently would like to be on the program, so I'm kind of all for it. I think it would be kind of fun just to write down the questions that the candidates debate and then throw them to Harry, and then we can all get an idea of what it would be like if they had allowed some other point of view, whether I agree with it or not, into the, um, into the debates and let Harry answer uh, right here on the air. What do you think? Good idea? You guys like that idea? Should I do it? They are, they are offering, and I'm honored they're, they're offering. We're also talking a little bit about Susan McDougall. Somebody called up uh, and said that she's protecting the Clintons, taking it in the gut for the Clintons, and I don't think so. She says she doesn't know anything that will damage them. And my view is that if she did, she'd sink. And, of course, there's a lot of disagreement about that because a lot of people want to believe that uh, she, she's got all these secrets that bring the Clintons down. Uh, Mike sends me the following. Art, if Susan McDougall sang, who would protect her? Well, to me, the obvious answer is, Mike, her song would protect her. And if she's going into a federal correctional institution, which I guess she is, right, for, what, 18 months? Isn't that what she got? Or is it more, two and a half years? I forget. Whatever it is. Um, she would uh, sing to uh, keep herself out of prison. Moreover, with regard to protection, her song would protect her. Uh, if anything, if she really did have all these terrible secrets, then once she was inside a federal correctional institution, her life wouldn't be worth two cents. Wouldn't be worth two cents. You know, if what you imagine to be true is true, that's where they'd get her. Because they'd figure, I mean, I'm just playing now with your uh, theory uh, or conspiracy theory. If, if the Clintons would do her in for what she knows, then once she was in jail, she'd have no protection at all. The other hand, if she sang like a bird, uh, she'd have all kinds of protection because Star wouldn't have put her in jail. And once she has uh, sung the song, uh, then the song is there for all to hear, and there's no point in doing anything to her because the song has been sung, if you follow me, Mike. So it seems to me, uh, with regard to what you ask, uh, who would protect her, her song would protect her. All right. I want to give out the international number, and I don't do that enough. I know it. I keep forgetting it. We have got a toll-free international line. I don't care where you are in the world. You can call us toll-free. Really, it won't cost you anything. And I know a lot of people listen on the Internet, and a lot of people are able to hear our big 50,000-watt stations uh, out of the country. So whether you're in Europe or Asia or South America or Central America, if you want to call us, here's how to do it. Call and get the AT&T operator or get the country code for your country and dial that. And then call 800-893-0903. Let me say that again. Get the AT&T operator for your country 
or the uh, a USA Direct Access code number, then dial 800, or have her dial for you, 800-893-0903. And that line is open uh, all the time that I'm on the air. 800-893-0903. Back to work we go. Actually, it's not work. This is more like play. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good. Whoops, would have been. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning, Arn. Good morning. Uh, I think periodically a caller needs to call in and, and tell all the new listeners that you have a very strange sense of humor. Well, that's true. That really is true because I know that I get, I, you know, I get letters uh, from people, and you just, I mean, you wouldn't believe the letters I get. And so you're right. I do have a strange sense of humor, and people take things, a lot of times I say, dead serious, when they shouldn't. Okay. Well, enough said for that. I just thought we should remind the people. <laughs> I have a bizarre sense of humor. Um, uh, two quick uh, points. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, as far as the new guest, uh, have you heard of Dolores Cannon? Uh, yes, I've heard the name. Okay. Basically, uh, I pulled out a tape that I recorded back in the 1990s. She was on Rick Barber's show here at KOA in Denver, and it was just before the Gulf War, uh, during Desert Shield, I believe. And the first part of the tape I didn't get to record it, uh, or the first part of the show I got the last part recorded, and she, uh, spoke about, she speaks about the, uh, uh, a lot about, uh, uh, the quatrains from uh, Nostradamus. Oh, yes. She sir. said that, uh, at that time, she did not feel that uh, what Iraq was doing or what we were doing with Iraq was uh, leading up to anything in particular. She said it would be about five or six years before uh, uh, Iraq would rise up again, and that would be the beginning of the end, as as uh, uh, she quoted it. And uh, by God, it's you mean like of the you mean of the world? Uh, actually, the beginning of quote kind of like a World War Three is what she puts it. Well, that that <laughs> World War Three would essentially be the end of the world, right? Right, somewhat. So, but, said, but uh, we have the Gulf War. That didn't end the world. Right. Uh, but at that time, oddly enough... Uh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Pause for just a second. I, I've got to have my endo, endo of the world horns. Okay, now continue. Uh, that, you know, that reminds me, a great uh, song uh, that you might want to play, Eve of Destruction. Do you remember that song? from Barry, uh, yes. Barry, 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 somebody. I know, I know, I couldn't think of the last name, uh, or the name, but Barry is the first name. If you could get a copy of that, I do have a copy somewhere. But so all you can remember is the first name, too? Yeah. Barry McGuire! Barry McGuire, you're right, boy. I can tell you're an old uh, 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 DJ. Barry McGuire, oh, Eve yeah. of Destruction, you're right. Do you know, do you know? That that is a record that AFRTS, the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service, banned. No kidding. Yeah, they wouldn't let them play it. So think of all the hate there is in Red China. Take a look around. Yeah, I know. I, I, I know that. You, you, <laughs> you know when that was out. And I, I was working at the time for a, a Japanese company on the island of Okinawa. Mm -hmm. And uh, AFRTS couldn't play that, so we played the hell out of it. We used to play it all the time just to stick it to them. Have you played it on coast? Uh, never. But I ought to, huh? You ought to. It would just fit in perfect. All right, I'll take that into consideration. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's Barry McGuire. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. 
Hello there. Hello? Yes, sir. Hello. Hello. Yes. Turn your radio off. It's off. That's good. You're on. Yes, I'll just call it the uh, You're going to have to get into your phone and speak up nice and loud because I can barely hear you. Okay, how's that? Better? Listen, I was just calling to say um, about the 800 flight. Yes. Uh, U.S. Navy 2, uh, commercial airliner 0. Well, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. You, you have facts to go with that? Uh, WNBC ran a story Friday night that... Uh, well, a lot of people have run stories, sir, but I, I've seen no absolute evidence nor admission of guilt, have you? No, and, and you're not going to see an admission of guilt. All right. Well, then uh, I don't. You know, I, I I don't mind. I guess discussing the possibility, but until there is evidence, to just call up and give that like a ball score is pretty flippant and uh, not fair. And I I wouldn't say the Navy or the Air Force or the Army or anybody else shot it down until I had some sort of evidence. I don't want to believe that. I'm not saying it can't be so. It could be that it was a mistake, but I'll tell you, if we shot that airliner down by mistake and we're now covering it all up, then God help us. As a nation, it'll tear this country apart. So I wouldn't be flipping about it, and I, I hope to hell it's not true. First time caller line, you're on the air. Art. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm a truck driver in Greenville, South Carolina. Yes, sir. And... Uh... Uh, once in a while, I'm able to pick up your program, and I enjoy it very much. And I wanted to get more information uh, about Major Ed Dame and Courtney Brown, the name of Courtney Brown's book. Cosmic Voyage. Cosmic Voyage. I'm probably going to have Courtney Brown on because Major Dame said a few things about Courtney, not not awful, but not totally favorable, and so I thought I'd give Courtney an opportunity to respond. But you know what would really be cool? To have Courtney Brown and Ed Dames on together. <laughs> now, would that be cool or what? Yes, it would. Uh, Probably won't happen, though. One of the big reasons that I enjoy your uh, uh, the things that you're talking about is uh, 12 years ago I had uh, a couple heart attacks and uh, followed by bypass surgery. And I had, uh, uh, I've had uh, out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences. And then uh, recently in the last... Uh, last six months I got interested in reading uh, The Celestine Prophecy and the Tenth sure. Insight by Redfield. Yes. Have you ever had either uh, he or his wife on your show? No, sir. Not yet. That would be good. There are. All right. Well, thank you. There are a few people out there we have missed. I, but we'll get them. I, um, I am a big believer in these near-death experiences, and I am convinced... I am absolutely convinced that there is a life after death, that what is within us, and I'm going to be very generic about this to the disappointment of many, continues in some form. An afterlife. I do believe in an afterlife. And I will doggedly uh, pursue guests and people who are doing legitimate investigation into these areas. I saw a... Showtime thing the other night. It was very good, actually. That reminded me of the program we did last night, actually, Friday night, Saturday, about vibration, about the fact that we are living in a certain vibration. 
In other words, um, all life is an animation, and this dimension is produced by a specific, very specific vibration. Of course, it was science fiction, and um, uh, but it was very good, and it, it was echoes of what we were discussing the other night. Very, very, very interesting stuff, and I'm going to try to pursue somebody in one of those areas. But uh, near death, after death, it all may be pretty much the same thing, and it may be a, a dimensional sort of thing. And I don't want to get too specific, because I can't be. It's just a theory. However, it is one that I want to pursue in the greater pursuit of trying to find out if there is anything after this life. I can't think of any greater question we all are curious about. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Hi. Yeah, about Saddam Hussein. Yes, sir. Okay. You're saying we should dust him. I've got, yeah. I got my own theory about this. Okay. When Bush first went in there, when we first went over there, Bush said, we're not going there to take out Saddam Hussein. Right. <clears throat> okay. If we'd have taken out Saddam Hussein and destroyed his army, and him along with it, the Saudis and the Kuwaitis would have came up to us and said, thank you very much, the United States of America. Now, Yankee, go home. We wouldn't have a military presence in there anymore or a political presence. In other words, think about that. Well, I think that we've still got plenty of enemy left with Iran. Yeah, but still, we're there. I mean, your, your premise here is that we would have no enemies, so they'd say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, I I don't I don't necessarily buy all that, and uh, Iran would still be there, and probably whoever would take over in uh, in Iraq would not necessarily ultimately be friendly to us. So I don't know. Look, I'm not saying we should have taken the army out totally, or totally uh, disabled uh, Iraq, but in terms of dusting uh, Saddam, yes, sir, I think we ought to do that. I mean, yeah. instead of planning all kinds of CIA guys and yeah, spending zillions of dollars, of dollars and all that baloney. Yeah, if you're going to kill them, kill them. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. All right, thank you. Okay, one other thing. Yes? On that story about the guy who had these uh, uh, figurines carved by Native North American Indians. Oh, the heads, yeah. Yeah. Well, how did Native North American Indians in those days know what a gorilla or a baboon looked like? Well, I don't know. I guess that's part of the whole thing. I well, mean, I'm just saying. You, know? you answer that, and you answer a lot. Thank you. Thank you very much for the call. Heads. He said he didn't display them. I don't blame them. You imagine somebody coming over to your house, and here's all these heads. <laughs> East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Yeah, hello. My name is Cletus from Arkansas. Hello, Cletus. Hi, I've got this, okay, I've got to tell you something. I'm sorry to bother you about this, but I have a crazy wife, okay? Well, what do you mean, what do you mean crazy? Well, you know those chupacabras? Yeah. Those chupa, those little monkeys that eat people and things? Yeah. Well, we listen to your pro. well, she listens to your program more than I because I work days and she's yeah. up all night because she's insane, right? Well, well, I mean, that's what you say. <laughs> Insanity is a matter of perspective, and maybe she isn't actually crazy. Well, I know. She's not crazy. She's wonderful, but she's a little she's a little out of touch sometimes. Well, well now... She refuses to go outdoors not, now. Well, that's not very kind. Uh, now, your wife, uh, is, she, is she awake now listening to this? Yes. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, she's not, I'm not even at my home right now. I'm at a cousin's house. As a matter of fact, she won't even leave the house because she's afraid of those chupacabras. Really? She said that they ate a car in Florida. Chupaphobia, I guess that would be, huh? And, no, uh, they anyway, didn't. I was no, wondering it's not, if you it's could... not true. They didn't eat a car. Look, can you hold on? 
Yes. All right, good. Stay, stay right there, please. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from September 9th, presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired September 9th, 1996. It is, and I have a man on the line with a chupophobic wife. Chupophobia. That's what it would have to be called. Afraid to go out of the house because of the chupacabra. Are you still there, sir? I'm not sure. You are? Yes. Uh, in other words, she has actually terrified this beastie may get her and she really won't leave the house. Oh, I'll tell you. My son is a board operator for one of your affiliates. Oh, and, that could be it. And he got her started on your show about oh a year ago. Mm-hmm. And now, now he, now she listens like it's a religion, and she won't leave the house. She said, "Well, she made my son and her both carry mace. They both carry mace." I mean, she would use mace against the chupacabra. I don't know. I do you know what the? Do you have any idea what the? Do you have any idea what the PETA people would say about that? I have no idea. Macing a chupacabra. Well, she. Uh, the true depths. She said. Well, she said that it, it it's like a little monkey and it eats cars and it eats like. I don't it doesn't know, Latin eat American. cars. It scratched up a car down in Florida. I mean, okay, well, she deep said scratches. It I thought she read it from the tabloid. No, I didn't listen to that part of your show. I never heard that. Yeah, no, it didn't eat the car. Well, she doesn't leave the house ever, daytime or nighttime anymore. She quit her job. I'm not kidding you. This, and it's more than just that. She's afraid of everything. Everything. Number one fear now, and she's on this kick. And I wish you, because you're like the authority that I know of. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm in Arkansas. There's no authorities of anything here. Well, there's Bill Clinton. I mean, he still carries some weight there, right? Well, you know, he may be a chupacabra. I don't know. (laughs) But, uh, but anyway. She, he doesn't carry any weight here. Exactly. Uh, we don't even have, well, this is lucky that we have a telephone. Um, anyway, I wish you would tell her that it's safe to walk outside the house because she doesn't listen to her husband or her son or anybody else. Amanda only listens to Art Bell. Amanda, it's safe to leave the house. Now, having said that, if she gets stupid. Uh, it's not going to be my fault, but I mean... I mean <laughs> if, if she gets stupid, I don't think she'll complain about it. 
Well, you've got a good point there. Amanda, it's safe to leave the house. All right, sir, I've got to run. Thank you. Uh, good luck to you and your uh, chupified wife. That's horrible. I mean, uh, be afraid of leaving the house because of I mean, there is more of a chance of being struck by lightning than there is of being eaten by a chupacabra. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hello. Morning, Art. Uh, good morning. How are you? I am reasonably well, actually. Okay. I'm glad to hear it. Where are you? I'm in, uh, well, Gardena. All right. Southern California. Right. KBC land. Right. Yes, sir. Okay, Art. I haven't uh, been able to come in contact with the uh, uh, Dreamland. Why not? I don't know. It's... Why don't Why don't you try 840 KVEG from uh, Las Vegas? It yeah, comes... I get that, but I, I... Well, it carries Dreamland. I can't get it that good, Art. Well, get a better radio then, because right. they got a big signal down there. So that means you have a lousy radio. No, pretty good one. But I no, I can get you, but uh, it kind of fades in and out. But I well, need... I mean, of course it does. Yeah. Uh, eventually, KBC uh, <laughs> will carry Dreamland. In fact, if the KBC people down there would be very, very nice and and uh, give KBC a call or write them a letter about right. Dreamland, I'm sure they would start thinking about it harder. Okay, Art, I wonder... Or get angry at me, one of the two. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, Art, I wonder if you could give us maybe an update on the uh, arts parts. Well, um, of course, there's extensive testing going on. They've been to Carnegie. I mean, uh, do you have a computer? Yes. You do. All right, well, go up to my webpage. There's a big article up there about arts parts. I mean, you won't believe it. It's entitled, Talk Show Host Hiding Saucer Parts. You're going to love it. So go up there and take a look. Also, I will give you another update, and that is the parts, incredibly, uh, the parts found uh, are now in possession of uh, uh, the Roswell Museum uh, have been tested, and they've done electron scanning microscope work on them, and there are 16 layers. Now, this is something Linda Howe said, but I got the, those photographs are now up on my website also. And so if you want to see, you know, it's amazing that the parts that were sent to me and the parts that were sent to New Mexico have that in common. Mine, bismuth, magnesium, and uh, zinc, uh, somewhat uh, uh, considerably more rare elements, but uh, both of them layered in a very similar uh, manner, or actually dissimilar, but the layering itself is similar, and that is amazing. And so we've got those electron scanning microscope photographs up there, as well as uh, the ones of my parts, of course. So my parts, just parts, arts parts, whatever you want to call them. And uh, you ought to take a look at that. It's uh, This layering business is amazing. Call us toll-free at 1-800-618-8255. But hold it, hold it. Tom, you're not allowed to give your, your last name on the air. Turn your radio off, Tom. That's number one. Okay, I got it off. And number two, uh, please don't give us your last name, just your first name. Tom in Nashville, right? No, Madisonville, Kentucky. Boy, I missed that one by a mile. Okay. Well, you're on the air. Okay. Proceed. Okay. Who am I talking to? A robot. A robot. <laughs> to speak to Art Bell, say... Art Bell now. Okay, Mr. Art, uh, I'm kind of interested in this uh, stuff you've been talking about. Uh, outer space stuff? Where, what, what have you been talking about here on this show here? Well, how can you be interested if you're not sure what we're talking about? Well, because uh, I'm a dumb old boy from Kentucky. <laughs> well, 
People uh, in Kentucky can still think, can't they? Well, I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, trying to get get to where you're at. No, nope. is this uh, a lost satellite or what? Was he picked up here? Is it what? What what kind of outfit is he picked up or is it that he got in a museum? Uh, what outfit is it? Was in a museum? I, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, Art been talking about this, discussing with these people about what he's found. Um. Oh, you mean the uh, the parts? Yeah, the parts. All right. Well, I, look, just briefly. All right. Fine. Briefly, and I mean briefly. What happened is, um, it's been. I don't know, six months now ago, or seven or eight, whatever it is, long time ago, somebody sent me some metal metal fragments that are alleged to have been from the Roswell crash of 1947, or Socorro. And I, actually, that is one thing I don't identify, and that is the actual crash site specified in the letters for good reason. But they sent me all these metal pieces, and we have had them ex ever since then. We have been trying to determine what the hell they are. The ones sent me were bismuth and magne magnesium. Bismuth is a very strange element. And magnesium, and layered. Nobody can duplicate it. Nobody knows what it is. And so forth and so on. So this has been ongoing now for months and months. And we put it through every conceivable test except a few left that we have yet to do. And we have let, uh, contrary to what it says in that, I said, you know, why would they write something like that, talk show host, hiding saucer parts? I, couldn't, I, I picked that up earlier today, you know, out of the mail, and I looked at that and I said, oh, my God. Look, it's a tabloid. But, you know, now I'm told it isn't a tabloid. It's tabloid-like, anyway. Talk show host, hiding saucer parts. Give me a break. Where would they get something like that? We have been so public with this intentionally been so public with it. I mean, every result, every scientific result that we've received has been publicized, up there for everybody to see. We've documented carefully every step we've taken, and you get a headline like that, talk shows hiding saucer parts. That's really insulting. So, I mean, you know, in, in a nutshell, without giving you the specifics, which would take all night, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to bore the audience to death with that. That's the gist of it. I've got these parts, and testing continues. So there. All right. Um, by the way, this guy who wrote this article, sticking in my craw, this Nick Kelly, guest column, Nick Kelly. Talk show host hiding saucer parts, Nick Kelly. I'd like to talk to Nick Kelly. Nick, I'd like to talk to you. Some expression you got there on your face, bud. Um, I'm getting a lot of requests to repeat this, so I'm going to repeat it. It is a summary of the world. It's not fre very frequent that you can read something like this uh, or ever get something like this, and I will put it up on the web. Everybody's asking me to do that. If we could shrink the Earth's population to a village, a Hillary village of about 100, not about, but precisely 100 people, 
with all existing human ratios remaining the same, it'd look like this. There would be 57 Asians, 21 Europeans, 14 from the Western Hemisphere, North and South, and 8 Africans. Now that puts it in perspective for you, doesn't it? 57 Asians. Man, would we be a minority. 51 would be female, 49 male, 70 non-white, 30 white, 70 non-Christian, 30 Christian. 50% of the entire world's wealth would be in the hands of only six people, and all six of those would be citizens of the United States of America. 80 would live in substandard housing. 70 would be unable to read. 50 would suffer malnutrition. One would be near death, one near birth. One would have, only one would have a college education. No one would own a computer. When one considers our world from such an incredibly compressed perspective, the need for both tolerance and understanding becomes glaringly apparent. Isn't that cool? And a good friend of mine, Jerry Lewine, um, sent that to me by email, and I thought you would enjoy that. Incidentally, my email address is artbell at aol.com. Artbell at AOL.com. If you would like to send me a fax, you can do so by uh, dialing area code 702-727-8499. 702-727-8499. Never, ever more than three pages, because it goes into memory first. Anything in excess of three pages is dumped before it prints. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Hello. I'm calling from uh, San Antonio again, and uh, I want to talk to you about Flight 800. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, there's always rumors that start. I hear an echo in the background. So do I. That makes two of us. So, uh, just uh, bear with it. Do the best you can. Okay. Um, anyway, you hear rumors, you know, after a tragedy like that, and I heard two rumors that, that I thought would have probably been followed up by some uh, additional information. Uh, one rumor was that there was a man that was on the plane before it took off, and he was... Uh, to get off the plane, and he was of Middle East descent, I believe they said, and uh, they said he might have left something behind. And also, um, there were two men that supposedly rented a boat, you know, off of the, uh, you know, and okay. Well, let, let me let's take one at a time. All right. Okay. Uh, if there was somebody on the plane told to get off, mm -hmm. then uh, somebody is utterly not doing their job, because number one. All the security occurs before you get on the aircraft, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the magnetic uh, thing you go through and the scanning and the search of the bags, all of that occurs before you get on the airplane. Mm -hmm. So if he was on the airplane already, he should have been cleared. And if they had to kick him off the airplane, then there should have been uh, something that would have caused the authorities to hold whoever that was. He, Wouldn't that know, make sense to you? Yes, it would. But the thing is, you can take on, you know, carry on baggage. You know, and, and yeah, but they they look they they either look through or X-ray and more your carry-on baggage. All of it. And if they did find something that was in his carry-on baggage after he got on the aircraft, then the authorities should have held him. Okay. The the other rumor I heard was that there were two men that that uh, rented a boat and they brought it back later after the explosion. Yes, the FBI has been looking uh, into that. They they've had people swarming over that side of Long Island, uh, interviewing people, trying to get. Uh, uh, information about that. Uh, and, and look, they've said themselves they know more than they are telling us. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Uh, they're, not telling, they're not telling us the well, whole story. Let me story. ask you, if, if there are men that are suspicious, 
why don't they put out some composite sketches where, where you know, they could help with, you know, witnesses identifying. Well, I think the answer is they don't have, they haven't gotten to that stage. Thank you. They don't have anybody like that. Or they would have certainly done so by now. Or at least one would hope they would have done so by now. Wild card line, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, Kim, that's Jenny, California. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, you know what? Every time I hear you say arts parts, <clears throat> I always think like arms and legs and gizzards and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I always think, wow, they're on his webpage. Interesting. Absolutely fresh parts. You know, um, in that, that the publishers that pub publish Amber Wolf, that lady you're going to have on, yeah. they have this other author. His name is Raymond Buckland. Yeah. I would love for you to interview him. He wrote a book called Witchcraft from the Inside. Well, yeah, but don't you want to hear from Amber, who, who, who is a I, real I witch? That book. Well, see, there you are. Okay. Well. I mean, you can only do one thing at a time, and we're trying to move through all kinds of fascinating different topics. I know and, next month sounds really fascinating. Yeah. You know, I was thinking. October always is. We go out of our way with the ghost shows in October. Oh, you know what? I have a prediction to make. I predict that scientists are going to find out that crop circles are made by suction. By what? Suction. Suction. Yeah, now you remember that, okay? Because you didn't remember when I predicted the coming of your parts. But, wait a minute now. That w if, if it was suction, it would have to be suction from below the earth. I don't know, but w I was... I mean, think about that for a I minute. Know. Because the, the, the crops are absolutely mashed down flat. So if suction is the thing, unless you're thinking of... Remember those when you were a kid, you had those little dart guns? And it would <laughs> stick to no, your forehead. No, that's not the impression I got. Well, I suction got the then. Suction. The only way it could do it is down from below the earth. Well, you know what else I was thinking? What? For anti gravity, wouldn't be wouldn't it be neat if you could have an anti gravity bed, you know, and levitate in the air? Yeah. And then you shut it off when you wake up in the morning. Of course. Think you what it would do for your back. I mean, you just flip it on. And you weigh about a quarter of what you would weigh. I mean, you wouldn't want to be totally weightless. Well, yeah, I know. But I've been trying to work it out. How do you get yeah, out of bed? Gravity bed. My God. The, the, wouldn't that be cool? Well, the the possibilities are endless. And Yeah, I was thinking you could lift heavy things, too, because, like, I was trying to lift my TV and weighs like, 75 pounds. I was thinking, wow, if I had an anti-gravity thing, I could just press a button. An anti-gravity bed would make you a multi Billionaire. I know. Well, let's get started. Well, <laughs> you know, I guess that I, they're now presently um, uh, trying to develop and enhance the anti-gravity. Um, I'm going to have Hoagland on about this. I know. I, th I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Now, you were talking about having an anti-gravity vehicle, that you and you were wondering how you go back and forth. Okay, I would. You have a fan. Well, well a fan. Yeah, yeah. kind of like my magic carpet when I was a kid. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So have I told you you're my favorite alien lately? I beg pardon? I said, have I told you that you're my favorite alien lately? Because <laughs> you are. Well, you're sweet. Thank you, dear. Good night. All right, good night. Uh, that is our 10. We call her a 10 for a good reason. Boy, that just sets your mind to buzzing in anti-gravity bed. Just imagine the applications, many of which I wouldn't even discuss on this radio show for an anti-gravity bed. Nothing that would, of course, completely remove gravity, but anything that would take, say, 75% of the gravity away. The applications for that are totally mind-boggling. An anti-gravity bed. Oh, man. The next billionaire. That's, 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 that's who you'd have. Billion dollars. You'd make a billion easy. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. 
tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from September 9th, 1996. Networks presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired September 9th, 1996. Figure you need a little adrenaline. Just about this time of the morning, they do it. Pointer Sisters. You know how I like them. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell, and I've got a word here about aliens in Vermont. It's a follow-up fact to that phone call of just a little while ago about the whole sky there. Art, I've spent much time in a small town called Danby, nestled here in the Green Mountains near Manchester, Vermont. I have yet to see an alien here, but I assure you, Vermonters are practical, freedom-loving, hunting-type folks. I'm sure they'd consider aliens game, something to be slung over the car hood like a good deer catch. Now, I don't think they'd, they'd want aliens hiding in their territory. If they didn't bring one home for dinner, they'd go to the other extreme and fight for alien freedom. Ha! Actually, the alien theory might explain someone we used to uh, hire to cut our fields. We called him the Mad Mower because of the intricate paths he drew through the grass. A Vermont version of crop circles. Yikes. And then there was this just a little bit earlier. Art, first it was the Chupacabra, the goat sucker. Then Dick Morris, the toe sucker, toe cobra. Now it's the groundhog's, groundhog sucker, the ground cobra. On page one of the San Jose Mercury for the 9th of September, there's an article on how a Denver, Colorado company called Dog On uses a truck-mounted vacuum cleaner to suck prairie dogs out of their holes at, get this, 300 miles per hour. Perhaps these folks might take care of your rabbits and ground squirrels. As a follow-up to that, somebody has sent me an entire article showing the insidious machine, and the headline is, Slurp, there goes another prairie dog. Slurp, mind you, slurp. You imagine traveling at 300 miles an hour through a tube into a net? Oh, man. I could just listen to this all night. I absolutely love the Point of Sisters. I mean, listen to this excitement. Come on. All of them, daughters of a preacher man. Hi there. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Oh, 
Cindy in Kansas City, Missouri. Hello, Cindy KCMO. Yeah, I think your idea about having Harry Brown on is wonderful. The same night as the uh, as the debates. Right. Um, it's no wonder that they won't let him in the debates. He would show them up for the pathetic excuses they are for presidential candidates. Now, listen, don't be afraid to say what you really feel. I won't. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well, I'm going to do it. I, I'm, I'm going to take him up on it. Why not? Great. Let me tell you a little story of something kind of odd that happened to me over the weekend. Okay. Okay. I was at home with my husband, and we had kind of an argument. And it was raining outside, and I grabbed my umbrella, and I went down the street to a new fountain that they had just built. And on the ground around the fountain, they have these these bricks yeah. that people could send money in and get their name inscribed in them. Cool. And then they inlaid them into the, into uh, the walkway kind of, around kind of, the fountain. Kind of like, okay. the, kind of like the, uh, the Hollywood sidewalk deal, right? Except oh, yeah, similar bricks. to yeah, that. I, I've got it, yeah. So I'm up there, and I'm walking around, and I'm reading the names, you know, and looking. And I came across one that said, in memory of Cindy L., and it said my last name. <gasps> you found your own brick? I I found a brick that was in memory to someone with my name. <laughs> Did you see Rod Serling anywhere? Well, I kind of felt like I had walked into the Twilight Zone. Oh, that would totally freak me out. It was very strange. Is it still there? Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I had to bend down to touch it to make sure it was really there. I I think I'd do some inquiry about that. Go tell the bricklayers that you know the reports of your death have been greatly exaggerated <laughs> in in Brickdom. I came home and told my husband about it. He said, uh, "He said yeah, you didn't know see? that I had had that in there, <laughs> did you?" <laughs> That's right. No more fights as of now. Well, and thank you, Lord. If, if you're good for a year, the brick comes out. Uh huh. I guess. All right. Thanks for the call. Thanks a lot. That's really weird. That's really weird. I wouldn't like that at all. In memory of? In your name, in the brick? Very bad. Very bad. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello, uh, David. Santa Clarita. Santa Clarita. Uh, next to Match Mountain out here in California. Oh, all right. Uh, I was calling. Uh, I was calling about this drug thing and the government dealing dope and all this stuff. Yes. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think there should be some kind of investigation, or do you think it's just conspiracy nonsense? And the reason I ask. No, it's not all nonsense, but I think it's not what the conspiracy nonsense people think it is either. So you know, there's a germ of truth to it, certainly. Yeah, but the is, the government, I, I, is the government I, I, massively dealing drugs? No. Uh, I'm not so sure, because Freeway Rick, I mean, I knew the guy. Who? Uh, Freeway Rick, this guy that got down in, uh, Sandy, I think it's San Diego, on trial right now. For what? Uh, for selling dope. And say, then he says the government has, uh, gave him the drugs and gave him guns and all this stuff. The government gave them drugs and guns? <laughs> and guns. Let's see, they had guns that they were, that the Contras had that I guess they were selling in the inner city and that kind of stuff. Well, this sounds like a political explanation for a local crime. But, I, you know, I think there's something to it, sure. Some pilots brought back drugs. The CIA probably had some operations going on. The DEA probably had some sting stuff going on. And so, yeah, in a sense, some of it happened. But are they massively dealing drugs? I don't think so. 
Well, I, I think some kind of investigation should be done on it, and I, I don't think Congress is doing anything about it. I, you know, I, I, I've seen an article where the guy who uh, ran the money laundering operation for one of the cartels, for yeah. Escobar's cartel, yeah. and he was in there saying that he, he dealt directly with intelligence agencies, and he he made a deal where, where he uh, shipped drugs to the Contras. Why would he ship drugs to the Contras? Uh, I... I don't I mean, remember what con- I mean, it was about five years ago. Well, but, you you but obviously don't, because there would be no reason. I appreciate your call, sir, but there would be no reason to ship drugs to the Contras. The Contras are down, were down in Nicaragua. The story, so that you have it straight, is that the guns were taken down to the Contras, and then the drugs came back up. That's what people are saying, and that there, you know, certainly there was something to it. Certainly, there have been various sting operations, even some dirty dealing, and no doubt some drug dealing. But as a general policy, I do not believe the U.S. government is pumping, as a matter of policy, all the drugs that came into America. No, I don't believe that. I never have bought into that. Here's another one. Same category. Art, what do you know about U.S. Marines? 30,000 of them in Australia collecting weapons from the civilians. Heard about it on another talk show the other day. They didn't go into detail. Jerry and Ventura. Answer is nothing. It's baloney. There is uh, a big gun controversy going on now in Australia. But where do these groups get this crap about Americans going down there and collect guns from Australians? That's bull. Absolute, unmitigated bull. And there's just a lot of this kind of stuff floating around, and the people responsible for it ought to be hogtied, as far as I'm concerned, because they make such wild allegations that um, the people have become numb to what really is going on and what should be looked at. 30,000 Marines collecting guns from Scott. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, hi. Uh, this is Steve from Sacramento. Yes, Steve, how are you? Uh, not too bad. I had a question on your real audio uh, that was on your web page. Yes. I tried to download that. That's not accessible anymore. You mean the real audio player? Right. Um, the one that they had on there for free? Yeah, uh, I'll tell you where you can still get it. Where is that at? Um, we have a bulletin board here in Pahrump, Nevada. Right. And uh, I, I thought that it was still available on my webpage, but if you can't get it there, no, call my like, call. Listen to me. Call my bulletin board. Oh, okay. And uh, you'll find it on there. All right. See, I had another question. Uh, you never talk about uh, your boy very much. How old is he? Fifteen. Fifteen. How old for Mona? Um, Can that be revealed or not? Well, I'd, I, I would a- I would want to ask her before I. <laughs> you know, I don't think that'd be cool. She'd probably. She might not like that, and I wouldn't want to find out about that tomorrow. You oh, know. I was just curious. For one thing, she opens my mail oh. and uh, a lot of times. So, uh, you know, I could get in big trouble. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I'll try it there. Yeah, because uh, you change your page around so often that... Uh, every day. We change it every day. Yeah. On and purpose. I like the old one before uh, better than this one, you know, for whatever sake, but... Uh, well, it'll keep changing. Yeah. You know, it, it, you don't ever want something to stay the same all well, the time. No, it gets but it's, boring. it's easy and accessible, 
to get around, you know. To well, you know what? It depends on what kind of browser you've got. I really like the new web page much better. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. You'll you'll learn. Well, no, I'll learn, but it's just the point that uh, uh, you know, it's just a little bit. Uh, also, the music. I, I, if you want to know, I like my web page the way I like my show. Never the same. Yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, did you uh, the music that you have for? Dreamland, that's the composer that's listed there? Yeah, it's the, uh, the O of Pleasure. Oh. All right? That, that i got to run. Thank okay. you very much for the call. Yeah, but the web page is a reflection of the program. And it's never the same. I don't want it to be the same. I don't want this program to be the same. Do you think I could come on here for five hours every night and do the same thing every night? Like a bunch of these guys do? Clinton bashing five hours a night? No, thank you. I couldn't handle that, and I doubt the audience could either. So I don't. Well, all time, do different stuff. Why not? I mean, radically different. I prefer that. And I think the audience does, too. Anyway, that's what we're going to do on this program. Other you know, programs can do what they want. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello? This is John from Brandenburg, Kentucky. Hello, John. What can I do for you? Uh, this is Art Bell. Yes, sir. Uh, you open up a can of worms, or about? Sir, uh, I my my entire show is worms. But yeah, that that just made me pretty mad there about what uh, I heard about Jimmy Carter not being invited to the convention. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna tell you what happened to me with with uh, Jimmy Carter back years ago. What? Uh, when Jimmy Carter was going up for re-election against Reagan. Uh, I went to vote, and Reagan was declared winner before I even cast my vote. In Kentucky? In Kentucky, across the whole United States. Well, of course, he had an absolute landslide, so I guess it was declared winner. Well, early. it kind of made me mad. I, I couldn't even cast my vote, and this man done, uh, was declared winner. And, I, and uh, Jimmy Carter, as far as I'm concerned, was one of the best presidents we ever had in the office. Well, he was mostly a good ex-president, more than he was a good president. Well, uh, yeah. He's been a very good ex-president. And why he didn't show up at the uh, Democrats' convention, one can only conjecture about. Either he had nothing good to say, or they didn't invite him, or he didn't want to go. No matter what the answer is, something was radically wrong for him not to show up, the only living ex-president. Well, you got that right, buddy. Uh, but what upsets me, though... When Reagan got in there, this country went downhill, and everybody yeah. said, "Oh, it went uphill." Well, it depends on on your point of view. Some well, people view some people is, see uh, a hill, some people see, you know, a valley. Well, I well, I seen the economy go way down. You did. I'm a, I'm a coal miner. Oh. And uh, coal miner. In the early '80s, when Reagan got in there, it went downhill. Uh, I'm talking about the. Uh, the high sulfur coal. The economy went down further than the mines you worked in, huh? No, I'm not. I'm talking about the whole uh, western part of Kentucky, southern Indiana, southern Illinois. And you think that was Reagan's fault? No, I ain't going to say that's Reagan's fault. Well, but, uh, right. well I'm look, about I... Reagan was going through the, working on the unions. Yeah. I was a UMWA. Uh, I'm still UMWA. Uh-huh. Well, then, then you didn't lose your job. Uh, you're still union. The only union that he really went after was the uh, 
uh, flight controllers that I recall, and, and I thought that was utterly justified. They weren't supposed to go on strike. Remember that? They weren't supposed to. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. All right, Bill? That's a me. Well, this is me. Uh, speaking about that old gentleman who called in and said that if President Clinton gets in again... The country's dead. The country's dead. Yeah. Will you tell him that I happen to be a Republican? As far as I'm concerned, I would never vote Republican again, and it's the Republicans who are killing Uncle Sam. Really? That's right. Poor Uncle With Sam, their so. malicious, vicious gossip and the way they're attacking the President of the United States, it's disgraceful. And I have friends who are Republicans. Even more, even more important in this day and age, it's utterly non-productive. In other words, it's so outrageous. It's it's more than outrageous, all the way from. <laughs> oh well, let's not get into that. But it's disgusting. I heard one Republican say today on TV that there are 39 accounts against the president, and they're going to have one more pretty soon. Well, bully for them. But they're the ones that are killing Uncle Sam. I've been around a long, long time, and I've never seen anything so malicious and vicious. And I well, have... I'm, I, if you want to know the truth, I'm sick of both parties at the moment. And well, I, I have been for a while now. I, I mean... know, but this, this is, after all, the man is President of the United States. Well, what about the Speaker of the House? Now, the Democrats did a big job on him. They maligned him just beyond belief. So it's both parties. It's both parties, but as far as the Republican Party goes, it's filth. That's mm. what I think it is, filth. Well, and the older people, I, I want to tell you something, the older Republicans are getting turned off. I've heard it. Well, you, I mean, me. listen to me. You listen to me. I'm, I'm the same way. I'm getting turned off by this myself. I don't like it. I, it's uh, sick. Yeah. It's sick. Yeah. I'm uh, 86 years old, and oh I've my. never seen anything like this in my life. Well, this is why we're mortal. You see, by the time you get to be 90, 86 to 90, you're ready to go. You're, you're, you throw up your arms. You say, Lord, take me. I don't want to be around here anymore. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, it is the truth. I, I think, thank you, uh, the Lord prepares us for these things. The world continues to change, and it gets so disgusting, finally, that you're ready to go. Take me. I'm yours. Take me now. I can't stand another election cycle. You're ready to go. It's, the, it's nature's way of getting you ready. No, I'm kind of fed up with both parties. She's right. You know, this, this attack from the right is dysfunctional. The attacks from the left have been dysfunctional. I'm pretty angry with both parties. And that's why you haven't heard me spending a lot of time uh, raging about politics one way or the other. Because it's just, it's a bunch of baloney. The nation is not going to go down the tubes or be destroyed if Bill Clinton's here for another four years. The nation is not going to go down the drain or be destroyed if it's Bob Dole for four years. But I'm not particularly excited about the prospects of either one. Or either party. Or politics in general. As far as I'm concerned... To be a politician these days, you've got to be a liar. And I'm not exactly sure when we cross that line, but I know we're across it. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning, Mr. Bell. This is a socialist from 
Mm-hmm. That's a bunch of crap about Gingrich. You, they don't malign him. Gingrich comes out when Susan Smith kids die. Of course they, of course they malign the left. Of course they malign him. When that baby was him. cut out of that mother's womb, Gingrich said that's the that's a, the ideal of the New Deal. You know, he's a master at uh, using words for manipulation. The Democrats have had an attack out on Gingrich since day one. Who are you Gingrich kidding? deserves an attack. He, he's the lowest of the low. And he represents... Look, uh, look. Clinton's the only thing saving us from these Republicans. Saving us? Power. Oh, please. <laughs> you know it's a truth. People aren't going to elect Dole just because they know somebody's got to protect us from Gingrich and those right-wing nuts. Oh, my God. What I say is not true. Uh, what you say regarding right-wing nuts is true, and what I say regarding left-wing nuts is true, and um, and and they're both um, doing a terrible disservice to the country as far as I'm concerned right now, and I'm sick of both. <laughs> we finally agree on something. Oh, we do? Well, we're sick of uh, the Republicans. <laughs> uh, well, so then you, you agree halfway with me, you mean? Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, this Harry Brown, he's so full of it. You know, all he can do is say government doesn't work. Well, I got a list for you, Mr. Bell. I could go on for the rest of the morning about how governments help the American people. Well, I I, I wouldn't let you do that. I know you wouldn't because you you don't want the the truth out. You people are... are... But Harry Brown ought to be allowed into the debates. If he's he's in all 50 states, which he is, then... I ought to be be able to debate Harry Brown, then. Uh, Why? Well, I got... uh, I'm running... How many many states are you... uh, are you up in? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear. You're, you're probably not even up in, 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 in Missouri, are you? Or Kansas. Whatever it is. Hold on. We'll come back to you. You're listening to Art Bell's Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from September 9th, 1996. Somewhere in time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from September 9th, 1996. Tell you what I'm going to do. In the interest of ideological nonsense, I will take the Missouri Muppet here. What if he really isn't? Are, are you in Missouri or Kansas? Missouri. Missouri. I thought so. And uh, you're not registered in even one state. Harry Brown's registered in 50, so I will not let you debate Harry Brown. But I will let you debate somebody on the far right. Would you like that? Sure. All right, then stay <laughs> there. Stay, yeah, I know you would. Stay there. All right, uh, here is my offer. I want somebody now on the far right. Any line. All Everybody else, hang up. Stop calling. 
Don't call. We're going to do a debate, and uh, we're going to do it uh, with the... Uh, I guess I better be careful. We're going to do it with this man from Missouri. Uh, calls himself the... Uh, what is it? The uh, something social... Kansas City Socialist. Is that what you are? I'm the socialist from Kansas City. All right. Proud. Socialist from Kansas City. All right. Yeah, right. Um, so if you want to debate him, uh, call now. Uh, any of the other numbers, and uh, if I find a good active uh, debater in the interest of uh, ideological nonsense, I will allow the two of you to go at it and demonstrate for the entire audience how totally uh, without redeeming value this whole race is presently, and we'll do that in a moment. So if you're interested in that debate and want to take them on, uh, now would be the time, right now. Well, okay, here we go. Now, let's see what we've got here. Uh, on the right, uh, from, uh, where are you in Idaho? Blackfoot. Blackfoot, Idaho, huh? Yep. Uh, that's all right. What's your first name? Uh, ben. Is that at, at, with a B, B-E-N, Ben? Yep. Okay, Ben. Um, you know what you're up against here, right? Uh, yeah. Kansas City Socialist? <laughs> all right. Uh, here he is, Kansas City Socialist. On the left, uh, are, are, are we ready on the right? Yep. Ready on the left? Well, yes, sir, I'm ready to go. All right. Let's get it on. Hello, uh, my friend. What's your name? My name's Ben. You know, the only person I, the only people I feel that are going to vote Republicans are the wealthy and the dumb. Really? And why is that? Because uh, the right wing is very sophisticated in their use of words. They use it as magic. They uh, manipulate the uh, the unaware, the, uh, the populace in this country that can't uh, can't follow their shenanigans day in and day out. Uh, Lord, can't even remember, you know, from well, the day first to day. problem is you're running on an assumption that uh, all the right wing is rich. Uh, that's a that's a a baseless assumption. I mean, how can I know that? it's a baseless assumption. I didn't say that. I said that anybody votes anybody votes for the right is either rich or dumb. The problem the problem with you is is that you believe that the government, Big Daddy, will take care of everybody, which it can't possibly do. The the millions of people that you have in these United States, big government cannot individually take a single person and work out all their problems. It's just I, impossible. I'll tell you, I don't know about this Big Daddy stuff, but I know that. Uh, Right after the Depression, there was extreme, terrible poverty, and the only way to, to help these people, the old, the sick, and the weak, and the ordinary, was for government to step in. Look, Capitalism sure wasn't going to do it. The thing that oh, pulled us out of the Depression right for maybe, uh, war, it was, had nothing to do with the socialist programs that pulled us, that, that you know, were invented during that time. It was pure war that, that pulled us I out of the I got news for you, buddy. There was soil erosion all through this nation. The banking systems, the financial systems, couldn't hold up. They still wouldn't hold up if it wasn't government standing behind them. tell me this. Trust why is it that the, in there if it wasn't for the government standing behind these bankers? And why is it that the big say, business sucks up to the Democratic Party? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Why is it the big business sucks up to the Democratic Party? Can you tell me that? Why do they? Uh, they're in power. <laughs> All the CEOs and, and stuff of the big companies supported the Democratic Party during the 90s. They had uh, the power. That's the reason they got the money. What's that? 
they had the power. That that's the reason they got the money. And I got news for you, buddy. The Democratic Party was not not the party of the left. They never have been. Thanks to these Southern Democrats, these bull weevils, we've always had uh, had a, a, a cadre of conservatives all throughout the Democratic Party. That's that's a plot too, you know. Really? What well, don't you feel? Not really. Well, look at <clears throat> the right has always been more. I mean. It's just family more, values, it's more family solid, values. more founded in values. It's more founded in all those things. I mean, you take the Democratic Party, they, they suck up to Hollywood, who have basically no absolute What do you no mean they suck up to Hollywood? Whatsoever. There's a lot of people in Hollywood that are outstanding people. Look at, look at Reeves. He just uh, addressed the Democrat at convention. He's a Hollywood man. How about Dean Martin, that fine man just died? He had bunches of children raises a fine family i can go on and on there's a lot of people one of the theme songs See, that's the democratic Cambridge, national uh, convention thing. was the stupid take... macarena song do you know what that song's about it's about some girl that wants to cheat on her boyfriend although he's gone away to war or whatever i mean the whole party is founded in like immorality uh, i don't know I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. You aren't talking about the yeah, Democratic well, here's Party, Here's one surely. thing for you. Why don't you try reading a little bit more? Keep yourself informed. Try listening. Less so now it's going to turn into a personal attack. I thought we were talking about government. So that I, I want to tell you what, what the government will do. You know, what, what will government for one thing, do? government stopped the Nazis. It stopped the communists. It, it, hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. Hey, the you guys. military hey, stopped hey, the hey, communists. Hey, you guys. Hold on just a second. Now, now listen to this. Listen to what she said. Talk about family values. Sheesh. Mr. Bell and my, uh, my debater here, uh, the Democratic Party backed the Family Leave Act, Medical Leave Act, the Republicans and the, and the right-wingers. They're against that. Now, you you go tell me wh- which party is backing family values. Look at Head Start. Look at uh, nutrition. I I'm, I'm live out here in the real world. I take my paycheck. I can't afford to buy, buy the... I don't get food stamps, by the way, and I can't afford to buy the vegetables and fruit my children should have. You know, we go to the, the grocery store and we'll, we'll get hot dogs and potato chips this time, you know, because, you know, that day, that particular day, maybe we only have $5 to spend or $10 to spend, you know. Oh, you think that's anything spectacular? I've been going to college for six years. I've had a, whole, a full-time job the whole time, and I've been going full-time college. I've been working my butt off and going to college, and I don't get any government assistance. I don't get any federal grants. I don't get any federal oh, okay. loans. So I suppose that you think you put in all this study time and all this, and, and then you're going to go get a job. It's your money, right? You don't have to earn any. You don't have to give any of it to taxes. Well, do you know how much taxes that, right? I, I give? I give 32% of my wages go to taxes. 32%. I'm a college student. I'm single. The United States pays less amount of taxes than any of the industrialized nations in the world. So what? What makes us have to be like them? What what what's what are they doing so right? Well, here you're crying about spending too much on taxes. <laughs> because I feel that that's my earnings. That's your earnings, huh? Well, I I got news for you, buddy boy. If you were to would have been born in uh, hey hey, uh, is the government doing the work for me? Is it getting out there and slaving away? Is I'll it helping you, me out? If, no. If you if you grow up someday 
to, to make to be a millionaire, you're going to think, oh, my God, I got all this money. I made it. I earned it. It's mine. I got news for you, buddy boy. You aren't, you aren't conjuring up this, this money out of, uh, out of magic. You aren't making money. What you're doing is using the system. And you by golly, if you make some money off the system, Look, you, you deserve to pay something. Money comes from work, period. If I do the work and I, I, and I earn it, it's mine. Uh, there should be I no reason why I should have to pay it out to people I don't think the government needs my wages and my money. Why should they? If people were in welfare, you wouldn't be maybe if they're in hard times, they can stand welfare for a couple of years, but then they ought to get out and try to find a job and work. It's not that hard. There are jobs everywhere. What do you mean? Most of the people, this is the hardest working country in the world. Most of these poor people are out here working two jobs, sometimes three jobs. And they're doing it because because the man the man won't uh, won't hire him part time. The no, man the reason why they have to work two and three jobs is because half their money goes to taxes. Don't you oh, understand that? If they wouldn't have taxes, you grocery shop for a family. My tax bill isn't anything compared to what I have to spend on food. Oh, no kidding. Neither is mine. But if I had thirty two percent more of my money, if we didn't have any taxes, that's thirty two percent of my money. How, how much that money that that's, that I'm paying out for food is going to the big boys, you know, so they can live on the big house on the hill? I don't know, but I'll tell you how much is going out in mine. The, these government workers, they aren't they aren't uh, living on the big house on the hill. They're living I, in, I the, in the little house. I grow $1,500 know, every month. With me. And do you know how much of that goes to taxes out of that gross? I bring home 800 maybe $900, and my gross is 1600 $700 of my wages go a month to taxes. And I'm just working. I'm a college student. I'm trying to earn my pay. Wait a minute. Now, uh, this isn't real. 700 a month? How much money do you make? Huh? How much money do you make? I make, like I said, I gross 1600 every month, about, and I get to keep about 900 of it. Uh, are you including Social Security in that? Of course I am. And medical care? Uh, I don't have anything taken out right now as far as... Uh, I mean, what do you expect? Are you going to have this money? What? When, when you get old? Huh. <laughs> I pay into 401k. I do all everything I need to do. But I also have to go to college right now. I'm, most of my money goes to tuition and food, period, and rent. That's all I have. But if I had an extra $700 that they take out in taxes, if I had that... What more could I do? I could invest more. I could do lots of things. I don't think the government's going to take care of me. I can make better investments than they can. Hey, they what do they do? They take my money and then they give it back to me at the end of the year. No interest earned on it. What kind of crap is that? What are you talking about? What kind of crap? Well, look. If I had that extra seven hundred dollars a month, I could invest that. I could okay, be making way more interest a month than just giving it to the government now. for free interest. What? What? That's not taking care of me. That's screwing me. Uh, and that's what big government is like. Society, okay. Number one, it, it's a complex problem. You of might be, you is. might say, okay, give me my money now, give me my money now. But but what what happens when the boats come to your state? You know, and boy, you're in a jam. Oh my gosh, I, I I'm uh, I'm hooked on gambling. What? There goes your 401. Well, then when you reach 65 and you're laying out in the ditch, Excuse me, have, you know, what are we supposed to do with I'm you? I'm not hooked on oh, gambling because well, I have morals. See, the boats, huh? that's where you're all backwards and stuff. How am I, I feel that I can take better care of my money than the government can, period. That's it. I mean, I was the one that earned it. I'm the one that worked the job. 
I thought we already established that, buddy boy. You aren't creating money out of nothing. You're dependent on our society. You're dependent on the the government regulating the banks and the financial institutions and providing medicine and 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 all the other millions of, of things that government do does for us. Oh, so you think you think that more government is better government? Is that what you're trying to There's, tell me? Government is the only way that we can buffer the savageness of these predators that are capitalists. We've had experiences with it in the past. You know that the, look what they used to work the child and and talk about unsafe conditions. The fatality on the workplace would be tenfold if it wasn't for government stepping in. You in have some, to have in some respects, and, and yes, but it's not see, this all is a simplistic thing. It, it started with Reagan. You, well, I earned my money. I. You know, I deserve all of it. I can take care of myself. It's society that we're supporting here. Family values, the village, the whole bit. bit you get it? That's what the the election's about. All right, I listen. Support myself. I all right, listen, you two. We're gonna we're, we're gonna have to hold it right there. And I I do want you to hear this. Appreciate the debate, but listen to her words. Very informative. If we ever get to it. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is a bad song. Really is, but actually it's very catchy. She's even got a cute sound. Then you got to listen to what she says in the second part of the chorus, where she gets to sing. Now, listen to this, and you'll hear what that guy was talking about. Sounds like a, like a Spanish Valley girl, doesn't she? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah, all right. I'm just curious. Has your show been banned on the Internet in China? Banned on the... No, um, all Internet has been banned in China. Oh, all of it, huh? Did you know that? No, I didn't know all of it. I just thought some of it. No, all of the Internet, as of yesterday... According to a message I received before broadcast, uh, China, Red China banned the Internet yesterday. What a bummer, huh? Yeah. Well, I guess you won't be getting no calls from any That's right. People. And I have, though. Uh, during I the time had. the Internet was there, I've, I've received uh, calls from Red China. Wow. I got one from Shenzhen Province, uh, which uh, is the... No, uh, I mean, before they made the ban, though. They just did that, didn't they? Uh, they just did, yeah. So I guess that's the end of calls from Red China, yeah. Yeah. Well... Thanks, Art. Sorry about that. Yep, you're welcome. Uh, that's the way it goes. I tried to tell people, Communist China and even Russia, they are not, uh, they are not uh, what, what you think they are. You know, uh, Red China has not really changed. They're absorbing a lot of um, economic activity as much as they can. But they haven't really changed. They're hardcore commies. And as for the Russians... Uh, they're trying to tell us they've uh, economically and politically changed, and that's a bunch of horse stuff. It's just simply not true. And uh, there in a nutshell, you know, those two guys arguing for the last 10 or 15 minutes, whatever time I left them on, was the basic argument 
that goes on on talk shows hours and hours and hours endlessly uh, that take from the poor and give to the rich versus the rich and we want to keep it argument. And that is uh, the, uh, the argument. It, it, you, you, could, you could put it on for 10 or 15 minutes. You could repeat it for hours. It's not going to change. And fr from both sides, it remains the same argument. So I don't see any reason why somebody who's basically got something different to say, which is Harry Brown, has got something different for a change to say, can't get in the middle and change the dynamics of the argument for a change. But they're not going to let that happen. They're not going to let that happen. And so that's why we'll probably have Harry Brown on the night of the debate. So I'm on here. Let him answer. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, Art Bell? Ah, uh, yes. Well, you know, I called you uh, uh, home uh, city, I suppose. Uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina. You're from Jacksonville? My brother is. Oh, well. He I was sent there to build those barracks, you know, for the Marines. Barracks, that was in yes. 73. Oh, yes. So he built his home. And so all the other night, you know, that storm, I was so worried about him. Yes. So he lost part of his roof on his home. Sorry to hear that. And uh, he said so many people, you know, around him. But he said, thank goodness he didn't have any trees. The trees were uprooted and all. And so the... Where are, where, where are you, dear? Uh, oh, I'm in uh, Seattle. Seattle. And uh, my name is Beth. And I wanted to go visit with him in October. No, it ought to be all right by then. But do you think everything will be cleaned up by then? Well, I think it'll be all right in Jacksonville. Uh, there's a lot of North Carolina. It's going to take a long time to recover. But Jacksonville didn't get the brunt of it. Yeah, uh, Wilmington did. Wilmington did, right. Yes, but now we have that other hurricane coming in. Hortense. Hortense, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like a, a hurricane manufacturing machine down there in the uh, between Africa, actually down off the coast of Africa. Yeah. Well, I have your book. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah, and it's beautiful. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. Well, I'm going to try to get to it. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. You haven't yet. Not yet, because I've had so many things going around here. Well, it's an easy read. You'll enjoy it. Yes, sir. And so I'll be calling you again. Please do. Okay, bye-bye. And enjoy Jacksonville. Yeah, that's my birthplace. Actually, on Camp Lejeune. Marine brat. I was a marine brat. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Eric. How are you doing? I'm okay. Good. This is Brian. I'm calling from uh, Los Angeles. Yes, Brian. Got a question for you. Okay. Um, well, it was probably uh, about six weeks ago on your show. Um, someone had mentioned, you had someone on, I can't remember who the guest was, that there was another incident. Um, it was either shortly before or shortly after the TWA 800 flight right. that a private uh, jet had had been shot down also. That was Richard C. Hoagland, and uh, he came back later and documented that. Indeed, it is true. Okay. Was it, did well, the media ever get a hold well, of that? Now, I don't know that it was shot down by a missile. Uh -huh. uh, they, didn't, uh, they didn't specify that, certainly, but it did, it did go down. Yeah. And, and I've now got a story of a, um, another major commercial pilot who had a missile whiz by his cockpit. Wasn't too happy about that, I'll tell you. Right, right. So well, what I was on. thinking is, you know, with this whole thing of uh, the media not letting us uh, in on what's uh, going on with TWA uh, Flight 800, and uh, listen, we'll have to hold on. My show is over. Okay. Um, so I'm awfully sorry, but you get the honors. Do you know what they are? All right, I sure do. All right. Do good it. night, America. Wait a minute. Where are you calling from? Los Angeles. Los Angeles says good night, America. The high desert says good night, America.